0: So stupid, he comes across
1: in front of me every single time he ever takes.
0: Why does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Ladies and gentlemen, it is all to play for... For the 200th time! Welcome to Motorsport 101!
2: Woooooooo! T-Nagate!
0: i gonna have done it mate. Tag 10 You are the world champion! And it's live! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to the 200th episode of Motorsport 101. <laughs> hey everybody, uh, we are live streaming this on YouTube as we speak. Me, RJ and Ryan King, a very special occasion it is the 200th episode of Motorsport 101. Thank you all so much for joining us here on this one. I can't wait to get into it with all of you. Um, it's it, it's a very, very special occasion. Um, we can't wait to get into it. We thought we'd go live for our 200th show. Um, and of course, we've got a very special main event feature coming up later on as well, which we'll get into briefly. But uh, first of all, say hello, gentlemen. Yeah,
2: glad, glad to be here. 200 episodes. Uh, I actually think, due to your more recent absences, I've actually been on more episodes of the show than you, Trey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? One of these days, I'm sure someone in our Discord server will probably go back, click through every episode, and figure out just how many appearances we've had on each show. But I actually think you may be right on that one, King. I actually think you might have more... Uh, you might have more appearances than me due to work-related commitments. Um, it's certainly close, I will say that much. And hello, RJ as well. Hey y'all,
3: hey, um, I'm, I can remember the first time I got invited to be on as a guest of the show, one thing led to another, and now I'm a permanent co-host and also the editor in chief of the podcast. I don't Mm -hmm. know... What exact sequence of events led me to this point, but I can tell you that there's one person and we wanted to have him here. He was my mm-hmm. predecessor, Adam Johnson, who is here with us in spirit, um, wanted to be here, couldn't make it, unfortunately. I hope you're getting a feeling better, Adam, because without yes, you, um, without your contributions in the, first, in the first several episodes of this podcast, I, I don't think we'd be here
0: indeed i think that johnson was a major influence on us i think he did about 50 shows of us i think it was roughly 24 to something like 75 if my rough memory serves i'm not i can't give you the exact figure on that but i think it's something along the lines of of 40 50 shows yep. and um of course a absolutely massive contributor to this show sadly he uh couldn't make it here um on this one um but uh, of course get well soon adam we're all with you and of course thank you for being a, a small part of uh this show's incredible history um this, this is like we are basically going through the uh go, going through the motions of uh we're coming up towards nearly five years of shows now as well which is crazy it'll be our fifth anniversary I believe early October. It was the day after the 2014 Russian Grand Prix was the very first episode. Um, our mics were terrible. It was just me and Ryan, and we basically shit housed it. And uh, <laughs> 200 episodes later, we are still pretty much shit housing it. Um, <laughs> only in slightly better quality, and with a slightly bigger audience. We're very, very grateful for that. Um... Of course, like I said, we are live on YouTube. Shout out to everyone in the YouTube chat. There's 30 of you listening along right now. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. All you guys in there, I see guys like Cam, like Rezzy, Joe uh, Toki. Our beloved Bike Live co-host, Mr. Lewis. Yes, is in Lewis there is well. here. Massive shout out to... Yes, Lewis is here. Um, yeah, again, great friend of the show. Obviously, the Bike Live wouldn't be what it was without him. Um, we're very, very glad he's here with us as well. A bunch of guys have a Patreon backers for us as well. And we got a donation to read out as well um, from Brian Glennon as well. He's actually dropped $2 in our super chat saying, we tied Richard Penny on his 82nd <laughs> birthday. Yeah, and we didn't have
2: to lump in the Bike Live podcast
0: episodes to get there. We got to 200 the right way. Two hundred pure, unfiltered episodes. We gotta love it, you know. We can't, we can't, we can't complain in the slightest. Um, you know, uh, we couldn't miss it in the slightest. Massive thanks to Lewis as well, Andrew, Manister, all you guys in there as well. Um, we'll, we'll do more big tribute stuff at the end of the show because we, we, we have to press on a little bit. I don't want to keep you guys here till eleven p.m. Yeah, we're hard capped in six hours,
3: by the way. So if we <laughs> want to go all night, we cannot. Thanks, Google Hangouts. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, King. I'm, I, I remember this time, we can't go over eight hours. Are we clear?
2: Yes, yes, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> also, the people in the chat have to know, why is the porn stash back?
2: Uh, thought, I, thought it'd be... S- s- it was a special occasion, knew it was coming up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he brought it back for the 200th show.
2: It's back, don't worry. <laughs> the people who who'll see me at the at the New York City E uh this it won't be a thing. It'll be gone. It's special occasions only.
0: <laughs> beautiful. What a beautiful contribution that is. Um, also in the super chat as well. Thanks, Andrew Banister, for the two pound donation, sir. Thank you very much indeed. Um, if you really really like us and you want to back us do by doing that, click the dollar sign in the super chat b- icon below. Like, please. Like, you know, don't don't go out of your way to do it, but that'd be that's very, very kind of you guys. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and you can also,
2: you know, support Um, us on Patreon. It's probably cheaper.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit, you know. Um, also, in in spirit, who's not quite here tonight with us directly, but she is here in spirit, Zoe Hamilton, another massive contributor to the show, is basically chipping in via text messages over the course of the show, so I'll stop to read some of these out as well, including, and I quote, the podcast can go to school now, um, <laughs> so like a proper podcast recording session, it's running late, This is also a very true story, and... And I quote, I thought he was trying to beat Graham to Bobby Stash. Um, <laughs> oh, no.
2: <laughs> that, uh, that's too easy. Uh, that's far too easy. We
0: have met many super Whoops. substitutes
3: on our show, but nobody Indeed. can imitate or duplicate Zoe Hamilton, for my opinion.
0: In, in, completely agreed, Zoe. I'm like she. So many times when we felt like we needed a third or even a fourth voice, Zoe was always there to answer the call. Um, one of the most devout, dedicated IndyCar fans we know. Just generally a good egg and and wise head regarding all things motorsports. You know the age, wisdom, experience, all that good stuff. We are very, very grateful for zoe as well um we love you zoe thank you for everything darling and there's always a space back here if you want it as far as i'm concerned um also good news king they actually are digging the porn stash in the chat so um you know you're actually kind of you're you're kind of indicated uh, (laughs) on, on this one um places you can find this real quick we are on well right here yes! live right now on youtube um at uh, youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 subscribe if you haven't already um you can check out some videos and click all that the bell stuff that click the are. bell
3: for notifications as well
0: indeed indeed do that um yeah, exactly so all of that or YouTube. Subscribe if you're here. You know, why not? I might actually make some videos every once in a while. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101, and you can find our personal handles literally right down below. We've got them in our name tags. Thanks, Ryan King, for the graphical adjustments on that one. Uh, all personal handles are all there. Harrison101HD at RJ O'Connell and that Ryan Eric King. You don't even need help on the spelling on this one. Um, <laughs> that's also very, very useful indeed. Um, and uh, If you'd like to – also, also if you really, really like us and like us to back us financially, you can do so, as well as, obviously, on Super Chat tonight on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows $10 $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. I know a bunch of guys are listening in right now and having a discussion about it right now. I mean, no, we, we obviously we, we normally we record in the Discord chat at the same time and it all chipping in the chat. Obviously can't do that this time. They're all over there on YouTube. But thanks for the dedication, you guys. Anyway, a massive, massive thank you to all our Patreon backers over the, the last, God, I think it's been about, Two years since we've had the Patreon page up to go one stage further and to back us financially is wonderful. It covers all the costs for production and covering the website costs, covering the SoundCloud costs on a yearly basis to have a professional account to be able to have an RSS feed and all that good stuff. So massive, massive thank you to all you guys. It makes the, it makes this a million, million times easier to make the show self sufficient. So very, very grateful for all you guys as well, and of course. All the details, um, all of this is on our website um, at motorsport101.com. Again, this show is going to be on all the stuff you normally expect. We're going to be talking about the Formula One Grand Prix in Austria, of course, and that total penultimate lap disaster, last lap overtake that totally didn't go wrong and wasn't controversial at all. Um, We'll also be talking about a resurgent Carlos Sainz coming through the field, another wretched day at the office for Sebastian Vettel, kind of, sort of, as well, all of that fun stuff, as well as MotoGP in Asin as well, wasn't quite the all-time classic we were all hoping for, but a nice return to form for Maverick Vinales as Yamaha pick up their first win of the season um, in a dramatic fashion. Um, well, it was one factory Yamaha made the flag, the other one very much didn't. Um, more on that soon. We'll also be covering the junior classes there, as of course in the Formula 1 race. And then, our main event of the evening, it'll be a Redux, the 2019 edition of the Motorsport 101 Top 10 Formula 1 Drivers of All Time list. We have all sent King our personal lists. He's taken the average, dialed up the leaderboard, and I can I still can say for sure, me and RJ genuinely have no idea like who is top of this list. King's dropped a couple of hints, and if you haven't heard it on the Discord server or if you haven't heard it on our chat earlier already, there are two ties on this list. There are two ties, and he tells me number one is very controversial. No,
2: I didn't say number one's... Yes, yeah. one of the ties is controversial. I didn't say... Oh, so, oh one of the two <clears throat> ties yeah. is very...
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Grammar coming into play there very much so. So, all of that, and inevitably much, much more um, over the course of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in on this... Uh, on, on this 200th edition of Motorsport 101, uh, we will uh, get into it right now with the Austrian Grand Prix. Oh, boy. So, fellas, the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg. Um, anyone Anyone wants to get a sound of music joke in now? Anyone? No? No? Good. Um, (laughs) Excellent, Sahir. Right, so. I think it's better if we start with qualifying on this one, eh, fellas? Because uh, this was a topsy-turvy one, to say the least. Um, A lot of spice in this qualifying session. Um, First of all, that's not a silver car on pole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Charles Leclerc on pole position. Like for once, the Ferrari pace wasn't a catfish. Oh. <laughs> How useful is that? <laughs> it's, well, so we thought, anyway. But uh, Charles Leclerc on pole position, a 1-0-3-0-0-3, the fastest ever lap of the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg. But there was uh, drama behind. Like Lewis Hamilton was initially on the front row, but he had to take a free place grid penalty for impeding Kimi Raikkonen during qualifying. Whoops! Big um, whoops! Big whoops! I mean, we saw it on camera. Honestly, I was just sitting there going, "Hey, a Mercedes actually got punished for something for once." <laughs> 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 they didn't dodge a bullet on this occasion. I thought that was—I thought that was funny in its own right. <laughs> Don't forget as well, uh, because of weird uh, grid penalties and
3: the order of which they were applied, Lewis Hamilton actually got to start. I believe he got to start uh, fourth in this race instead of fifth. Yes
0: Indeed Indeed Um, Because of the way um, There was a lot of penalties to jumble around Um, Because of the way penalties are applied It's like It's a bit like how in the NFL When you kick a field goal The posts technically go into the heavens It's similar to that The grid basically goes on forever Yeah So so
2: you're penalized grid places Not grid positions
0: Right So, yeah, you basically just imagine like beyond the 20 grid spots we've got right now, pretend the grid goes on forever. Um, They are applied. I believe a King It's in order of time. The penalty was given. But then, of course, there's grid spaces come into play. And then but when everything is done, you shuffle them all back up into the original 20 again. So as a result, Hamilton technically only dropped two places. Because I believe it was was it Lando Norris King? No, Kevin, oh, Magnus- no Kevin Magnus. Kevin Magnus. Kevin Magnuson took a panel. Kevin Magnuson.
2: T- t- yeah, and as yeah, for yeah, Sebastian Magnus- Vettel, hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, <laughs> honestly, it's yeah. You guys would put another rant, aren't you? Um, <laughs> it, it it wouldn't be a two hundred episode of that one, and all I can say is I've given up. <laughs> I'm giving up having the emotional investment to rant about this yet. I think it was some sort of pneumatic issue, I believe it was in Q2, um, after his lap time had been set, and then as a result of that, he couldn't get a time in in Q3. So of course, the one time Ferrari is competitive in qualifying, and Charles Leclerc sticks it on pole, Vettel doesn't even get a shot to, to try and beat him to it. Because of course... <laughs> <laughs> um, so after the penalty, Sebastian Vettel had to finish in, had to start from ninth on the grid as opposed to tenth because again, as, as King of to, Magnuson had to take, had to take a five place good drop, which is a shame because Magnussen finished qualified fifth outright, and. Uh... His uh, his team went. He went ballistic on the radio. <laughs> having found out. Yes, you know, he did a, 1-0-4-7, a 1-0-4-0, A clear best of the rest ahead of Lando Norris and Kimi Raikkonen. And in Q three, put himself P five. A, a, a brilliant effort from uh, the young Dane. Um. So. As a result of the way the grid got shuffled around, it was a clear from Verstappen on the front and right row ahead of Valtteri Bottas. Lewis, Ham- Lewis uh, Hamilton, pardon me, sorry. <laughs> Bit of gas escaping there. Lando Norris in fifth, Raikkonen sixth. And very quietly, both Salbers in the front, in the, in the top seven, with uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi, his teammate, also making Q3 and qualifying in seventh, ahead of Gasly, Vettel, and then K-Mag in tenth. Um, so also, I love that I'm getting t- a text from Zoe saying the church of Dre has been demolished. The traveling preaching tent of Harrison will replace it.
2: <laughs> but I think that was kind of like the big overarching, uh, villain of the weekend, the massive heat wave that has struck Europe. That pretty much was one of the things that crippled Mercedes, where if you took any look at their car, they had as many vents and openings in the engine cover and side pods as possible to get their to keep their car cool. And what's that important phrase we always mention on the show, King? Remember that
3: it becomes important, <laughs> it becomes later.
0: important later. It really does become important later. Um, also, I love that the chat right now is and I quote comments along the lines of "Does the church need opening? The church is on fire. The church is burning. <laughs> the church burned down weeks ago. Did um, the, the church burn down after Japan 2017? The church does no longer qualify for no tax status. Um, Reverend Devon so... is
3: collecting donations for bricks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to build a super church. We, I, I clearly need to build an expansion. Um, it's it's not pretty. But uh, here we are. We are looking extra Um I was just like, you know what? It's just not going to be our year this year, is it? It's just like, oh, this is how it's going to have to be. So, race day. And uh, we're on the way. Oh, wait, that's a very slow moving Red Bull. Uh, turns out Max Verstappen hits the anti-stall coming off the start line. And he drops all the way down to ninth. I think it was actually seventh place he dropped down. So he dropped five places off the start. Um, there was a bit of midfield chaos there. Sebastian found the way around both rebels right off the start, which was excellent for his race to, just, um, to start off with. Again, remember that. It becomes important later. Um, but uh, that was the big drama coming off the opening lap. Verstappen hits the anti-stall, drops down to P7. Mm-hmm. Um... And like it again, it, it 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 seemed at least for the first 20, twenty thirty laps of the Grand Prix that it was going to be Leclerc versus the Mercedes. But it seemed to be that it starting Ferrari on the soft tires for the race was the way to go because it looks like Ferrari can actually handle, and the soft tire in general could handle the uh, the the as Kim mentioned the extreme heat wave better than Mercedes could. Mercedes <laughs> couldn't run their optimal engine settings throughout the Grand Prix, they were overheating, they had to do a lot of lifting and coasting to protect the car, and they were largely uncompetitive, which is weird. It seems to me, King, like Austria's become a bit of a bogey track for the Mercedes, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has been. Their double retirement this year, I mean last year, year. (laughs) and (laughs) then their performance this year, it seems like just one of the tracks that either it it's not like it doesn't suit their car it's just anytime we end up you know getting to that time of year something just something out of their hands just happens to just pull uh, a chance at victory away
0: <laughs> it, it, that 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 seems to be what it was except the, the overheating car I mean it's we've seen it before Mercs, if they do have an Achilles heel and it's a very small one. They don't like extreme conditions. If it's very, very hot, if it's very, very cold, they tend to struggle. And this was one of those occasions. Leclerc had a pretty comfortable lead for the vast majority of the race. And all of a sudden, it looked like Sebastian Vettel might have actually come back into play. He'd overtaken the Saubers and Lando Norris very quickly. He was running a a net P4. Um, He comes in for an early stop, same lap as Valtteri Bottas was. And they thought, oh, hang on. We could take advantage of this. We've come in at the same time. And they're going to have to hold Bottas in the box because Bottas is about 2-3 seconds ahead. So they can, they can keep Bottas in the pit box and they can lose time because they've got to wait for, for, for Vettel to come through into his pit box. Which sounded great until it turns out the Ferrari Mechanics radio wasn't working. They didn't know there was a pit stop that was about to happen. So of course they were late bringing over one side of the car's tyres. Oh, no, the Eddie Irvine Nürburgring 1999
3: special! <laughs> or more recently, Daniel Ricciardo at Monaco 2016.
0: Bummer! What? Well, Turns into a 6.1 second stop, and that took Vettel out of any sort of contention for the win. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was a shitter, to say the least. Um... I was just looking at that. Like, I was. Like, I was. I was watching watching that in my girlfriend's house, and I, 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 I was in a shit mood for like half an hour after after that. It's I was just like, I was just like, why do we bother? Like, what, like, why, why do I bother having the boat? Like, who had lap 22 was the lap Ferrari was going to shit the bed again, <laughs> because of course it happens. Oh damn! And that's
3: the thing, though. Like, <laughs> this was. Strategically, I know they mis- executed Vettel's first pit stop, but they had the strategy right, and that was the thing we worried about Saturday. Because remember, on Q2, they set their fastest time on the soft tire. And after qualifying, it was just like, yeah, Ferrari at pole position, but they're starting the race on the wrong tire. And Will Butston said after qualifying that the margins would be tight. If they pit too soon, they're on the slower strategy. If they pit too late, they hit the cliff with the soft tires, and they'll lose the race.
0: They seemed to get the timing, right? The problem was, the timing was wrong. Funny that. Um, uh, That wasn't the only pit stop related drama though. Lewis Hamilton had to also pit for a new front ring because he damaged it going going over the turn one exit sausage curb. I believe it was lap 22 was the lap in question. He'd Driven over the sausage curb, and they believed that damaged the front wing and the floor of the car. He had to have an 11-second pit stop to change the front wing of the car. I have to say, impressive job from Merckx to change an entire F1 car's tyres and front wing in 11 seconds and get him back out on the road. Um, well played, Merckx, for limiting the damage on that one. I mean, Hamilton was just generally not at the races um, this time round, but, uh, you know, kind of his own doing. Um, on this one, basically, um, yeah, I, I, every old school racing fans now got a boner because, like, yes, the sausage curbs did their job. <laughs> they damaged the car, so you don't drive over them. Proper racing, Arr. you know. That <laughs> uh, again, that to- that totally doesn't come up again later. Not in the slightest. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, Sausage Cubs do job. Hamilton, who've been running over that damn thing all week... Uh, 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 he'd been driving over the damn thing all weekend long. All of a sudden, he goes over, has to, has to change the front wing over. Uh, drops down to fifth place. Um, and then I get the very straight... Like, Who else... Like, who else's jaw hit the deck when they put Vettel in the pits again?
3: I mean... That one was, uh, I mean, I know they had the race lost at that point, but that did give them the flexibility to two-stop him, and it did ultimately work out for them at the end, um, pitting him on lap 50 to get him out. and He eventually would rush his way back up the field, just barely uh, finishing within seven-tenths of a second of taking that final podium position off of Valtteri Botas and splitting the two Mercedes.
0: What the hell happened to Valtteri's car at the end of that race? Because I could have swore he was like 10, 15 seconds up the road from where Hamilton was. What the hell happened? <laughs> Obviously, we didn't see it on camera due to something more important <laughs> that was going on at the time, which we'll get to briefly. But I don't know. like Chat, if anyone knows on that one, let me know. Um, because, again, I agree with John T in the chat. Who says At the time, I figured Seb's second stop was a case of we're boned. Let's go for the extra points, which is what it seemed was, apparently. Going to Cam, Valtteri's car was overheating like a mofo, and they had to slow right down at the end, basically. So, um, the car was literally about to pop, basically. So, I guess that's what does it. Um, but yeah, still a podium for Val on the day. However, Max Verstappen has his, he's one of the last of the front runners to stop off the soft tyre and get on the hard compound tyre. He comes out in fifth. He guns down Sebastian Vettel and passes him. He guns down Valtteri Bottas. Overtakes him. All of a sudden, with about 12 laps to go, he's only six seconds off Charles Leclerc, who was leading the race. Mm. And next thing you know, we've got a race on here, folks, because it turns out Verstappen is gunning down Leclerc at over half a second the lap. Like, I don't know what, I don't know, what's in the Red Bull in Austria around here. But I have never seen Verstappen drive that quickly. That was that was insane.
2: Yeah, to I, be
0: done in yeah, go on, go go. On, like,
2: Verstappen qualified second. Like I knew he had the mm. pace, but his pace at the end of the race compared to Charles Leclerc was astounding. I don't know where it came from. And keep in mind, I just want to bring up a clarifying point. He started the race on the medium
3: tires, and what helped him get in a position where he could potentially take this win was that he cleared off the guys he needed to clear. He cleared Norse, he cleared Raikkonen, he cleared Gio, all those guys to put only the Ferraris and the Mercedes in front of him.
0: Indeed, and that certainly helped. Um, So, yeah. Uh, All of a sudden, with 12 laps to go, Verstappen is taking half a second out of Leclerc on the same hard compound tyre, and even set the fastest lap of the race as well on hards compared to Velo, who was running with basically a qualifying fuel tank and the soft tyre. <laughs> Mental stuff. Um, again, I can't remember ever seeing Verstappen driving like a man possessed, just like this one. Um, inc- incredible. Of course, at that rate of knots, with about, I'd say, three laps to go, He's now right on the back of Leclerc's Tell He's fighting off some of the traffic that's in the way. Okay, three laps to go. Verstappen is trying the inside uh-huh. into turn... Technically turn uh-huh. three. It's really turn three, right. but... <laughs> You, you, you could debate in the comments about how many corners the Red Bull Ring actually. Pocono has, has five corners.
3: Uh, Pocono has five corners, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, if we're on a <laughs> MotoGP bike, turn two is most definitely a turn at. <laughs> it absolutely is.
0: It, it 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 absolutely is. Um, so uh, yeah, like again, in the cars, maybe not so much. But okay, three laps to go. Verstappen takes the inside. Runs Charles Leclerc wide, but not too wide. Leclerc has the power advantage coming out of turn three um, and has DRS as an advantage. Gets back in front into turn four. Um, We're all sitting here like with tender hooks thinking, oh my God, are we going to get a last lap battle for the win here in F1? Something that we've probably not seen since this very Grand Prix three years ago when it was Nico Rosberg versus Lewis Hamilton. Um, King, I think your was quite shit on that day, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Here's the moment you've all been waiting for, folks. Two laps to go. Verstappen tries the exact same move again. Switches over to the inside of turn three at the last minute. Under braking. Runs really wide this time. Like, a, a good, I would say, three or four metres off the apex of the corner. McClure has to take the escape road to uh, try and avoid contact. There was contact on the exit of the corner as Charles basically has to, has to come back onto the circuit. Verstappen's able to seal the move into turn four and then go on to win the Grand Prix. However, the incident was under investigation from the stewards and then everyone, fans in the media centre are like, just groan. Because it's like, oh no. Here we go again. But a second time in three races, the result could very well be decided in the steward's office. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what was the reaction like with you guys when we found out, oh no, it's under investigation? <laughs>
2: I'm oh going to first on this. Yeah, my <laughs> gut reaction was... Uh, well, I didn't think they were going to penalize him for the fact that... like. The fact they made contact, that they had to put it under investigation, that's just the way it works. But the fact that it's so mm-hmm. late in the race, uh, its I knew it's going to take a while for them to come to, c- to a conclusion.
0: Yeah. And it took them three and a half hours to come up with, with the results. Not on only that in line, that
3: three and a half um, hours, we had a fake document that circulated around on Twitter <laughs> before we all
0: realized <laughs> that it
2: was a gag. That's how long this took. Yeah. Yeah, a, a then, document, uh, like the document did have like one or two errors on it, which caught it out as fake. But it was so deceiving that it made it onto the the FIA um, medium, like the, like the the medium, the the press corps. There, they they have a WhatsApp group, and it made it onto, nah. <laughs> it made it onto their WhatsApp group. And Andrew it, Benson and tried circulated. to report this as breaking news. Yeah, because
0: Yeah, it was it, it, it was a very, very good fake. In other words, it was a good enough fake where the media centre bought it first time round, basically. Yep. They had to really look deeply before everybody on Twitter had to come out. No no guys, it's fake, it's fake, it's forty nine and fifty. Um that's the articles in question that's regards the incident of them being under investigation. As said, it took three and a half hours. It wasn't until I was halfway on the train back to London. Did, I, did we actually get an official outcome? No further action on either driver for the incident. Verstappen keeps the win. Of course it doesn't end there, because it's on this show, so of course we're <laughs> going to talk about it. Fellas, now we've had a couple of days to reflect on this, you know, and having seen 115 angles, like the stewards I'm sure would have had to see as well. They've seen the date of the telemetry, all the footage, all the bells and whistles. Do you think they got it right?
2: Yeah, I think they got it right. That was my first gut reaction, like when when they uh didn't penalize it. Like for for what it's worth, yeah, it was a very aggressive move, but did it break was it unsafe or was it like it there was nothing there was nothing definite to to like indisputably say that that it violated the sporting regulations.
3: I'll say this. I heard it speculated that the reason why the FIA stewards, Ugh. of which their guest driver was Tom Christensen, nine-time Le Mans winner, probably should have been a Formula One driver in the late 90s, that the reason why they took so long was to get the fans to clear route. Because there was a former Dutch F one driver, I believe it's Robert Dornbos, who suggested yes. that the fans should start a riot if they were to take away Max's <laughs> victory. I don't know how true that is or not.
2: Oh god. Not a, Dornbos did say that. Dormo's did But say I
3: don't know how true it was. <laughs> of course Robert Dormos I don't said know that. how true it was that the fan influence like- really caused that decision to take too long. Typically, you know, when it comes to a football play a review or an ice hockey play a review or video assisted or VAR in the case of the game we're watching by the way 625 myth by the way, you know, the longer it takes, the more likely this is going to get overturned.
0: Yeah. yeah. And to put it into and to put it into perspective, there was an enormous verstappen grandstand in the middle of the circuit they were all already on the pit straight by the time they were investigating and reviewing this and yeah like i've not seen that much orange since raymond van barneveld last played in the premier league of darts um, yeah. this was a massive massive dutch following in this grand prix of course red bull home track of course short journey over of course they're gonna they're gonna rock up in Hollow droves fucking travels it was about of yeah it was all I think it was about seven forty five p m when they finally said no further action. Mm. What do I think? <sighs> I think there's not enough there to overturn it. Um, my gut said to me that's a penalty. Verstappen, I think, was unnecessarily way off the apex. I think that was. Very similar to uh, to a block pass you would get in MotoGP. Where, uh, you know, the guy has no intention of taking the Apex whatsoever. And, you know, if you park your bike there, or in this case park your car there, you know, there is no chance the other guy has any chance of getting around you whatsoever. I think... I think it's a 50-50. I think Verstappen was asking for it by going that far off the apex, but I also think Charles Leclerc probably could have conceded that one a bit earlier. Like, if you're going around the outside of that corner, you have no chance. Yeah. You are not passing someone around the outside and, oh, look, it's, it's 2-2 in the England-USA game. <laughs> oh,
3: <laughs> damn it! <laughs>
0: Yes! Come on, England! <laughs> Let's I'm go! About, I'm about to see this on my screen
3: because I believe I'm about a minute behind. But I, I just want to say, I, I didn't have a problem with the Stewart's decision. I didn't have a problem with the way that they necessarily raced it with. I, you know, I can see from Matt's perspective that he did open the steering up on cornerettes at a bit more than he should have. And on the other side, I can also see the perspective that, you know, Charles maybe should not have tried in desperation to, uh, to use the, uh, the outside tarmac runoff. Uh, to help defend his position, which I believe both drivers should have been empowered to do that. I believe Verstappen should have been able to attack, and if he is entitled to do so as aggressively as he did, then Charles Leclerc should have absolutely used all the tarmac runoff and Densum to try one desperation attempt to keep the position because that was the only way that he was going to keep that position. On pace alone, Max Verstappen would have run him down in another lap if that move had not happened. And that, yeah. I believe, is what... What irks some people the most about it is that Matt didn't need to make that move aggressively. I didn't see no problem. I was just glad that after the race we had in France that we got an absolute thriller of a finish.
0: We did. And there's a, also, by the way, VAR check on the goal, by the way, for a potential offside. Um, that, that's going to be fun. Oh, it's been overturned! <laughs> <laughs> it's, Eat it! It's been Eat. overturned for offside! <sighs> Oh, damn it. I feel
3: terrible. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for shit. Charles Leclerc in that case because that's the second yeah. time where you feel like he had the win in the bag and something maybe out of his control would have taken it away from him. I feel like that first win is going to come very soon this year, but it just wasn't meant to be. Mm. The reality of the situation was they tried to execute that strategy, go from soft to hard tires. And ultimately, Verstappen just had more pace on fresher hard tires. That was the big thing that decided the race to me.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's what it comes down to, to me. Like I said, I don't believe there was enough on that. Like, if I was a steward, I'd be leaning towards making that a penalty, because I think Verstappen was a little bit OTT Mm -hmm. on that one. However, I can also completely understand why you would let that one go, especially in the context of the race itself. It's a penultimate lap. It's a fight for the win, of course, they're going to bend the rules. That like like I I'd be more concerned if a driver didn't do that than if they did, quite frankly. All some of these bullshit arguments I was hearing, like oh if there was a gravel trap there, no there isn't a gravel trap. Yeah. Okay. You're like like there, there is isn't a gravel, a gravel trap. trap, trap and it's as I pretend- just mentioned,
3: I believe Leclerc should have been empowered to use all that tarmac runoff if that's what he felt was Why going. Not? Yeah, exactly. Especially in the last few laps
0: of the race, it's there. Use it. Yeah, like, we, like, as I said it before on Twitter, we don't give drivers the benefit of the doubt when it comes to going over the top, when it comes to things like sausage mm-hmm. curbs. well, Because, you know, when, when, when the sausage curb topic came up, when Christian Horner was like, oh, it cost our car a quarter of a million pounds worth of damage, like, the general response I saw on the internet was, oh, well, just drive around it then. Like, these are racing drivers they are going to try and take every liberty they can afford to take and and that is not something i think is an unfair expectation of them if we can't keep pasting these guys as heroes and gladiators in this like this exceptionally volatile sport and then don't expect them to take a liberty if they can see one in front of them that's the nature of the sport i just find it weird that we gave we didn't give them the benefit of the doubt for going over the curbs and track limits but we do when it comes to defending them hard for a race victory. Like, where's the con- and again, it's the it's the running theme of Canada going back to this as well. Where's the consistency? Right. What I would like to see going forward is where is the line? What is a penalty? What? How far is too far? I think we need some clearer wording on this and a a more of a like less like vague terms being used when it comes to this rule. And I would like to see some clearer wording. I I, I fear this may go more down the road of the NFL rules of what are a catch. Because they had to add more and more text to this what is a catch rules the years have gone by. Anyone who knows the NFL will know exactly what I'm (laughs) talking about here. They've had to add more and more text to the what is a catch rule to the point where it's now actually made it even more confusing to know what is a catch and what isn't. I would just like I know it's a careful line to walk, but that is like we nearly had two out of the last three rounds decided in the stewards' three office. Three out of the four. That three out of the four, and, if
3: you consider Matt Matt's attempt to yeah, pass yeah. on
0: Lewis and Monaco. Very true, and that and that was investigated with no punishment for either driver. Yep. Um, so yeah, we've we could have had three of the last four rounds decided in the stewards' office, and that is. That is probably too many. Uh, I know a lot of that is obviously coincidence, but, you know.
2: And, like, in the aftermath of this, uh, you know, recently appointed FIA Formula One race director, Michael Massey kind of described why it took so long to come to this decision. And a lot of, a lot of people don't understand all the moving parts to actually to how, a steward, how the stewards get to their decision. And he kind of went step by step about why it took so long. That
0: would actually be nice to see. I would actually like to see some.
2: One of the reasons why Mm. uh, they're able, like when there's an incident early in the race and why it's able to quickly be resolved, because number one, they they can't hear from the drivers. So that cuts off, you know, an avenue of deliberation where it's pretty much Justice Stewart's looking at race footage, maybe talking with uh, team personnel to see from their perspective what happened. But when an incident happens during the closing stages of the race, uh, liter- uh, literally, they're not going to be able to get a decision before the podium is made, and that opens the door from them. That opens the door from them to hear from every single party involved, which is what happened in this situation, where by the time the race was over. Uh, the first uh they're not able to get a hold of the drivers until they fulfill their other commitments, so they have to of do course. if they' if they finish on the podium they have to go to the podium they have to do uh, the the television press pen they have to do the the post race press conference, and then mm-hmm. they can go they can go see they, they can go see the stewards in the stewards office and it took until six pm local time for the drivers to get to the stewards office. And yeah. and from six PM local time, they didn't release a decision until seven forty seven PM local time.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that was the process. And again, like we don't normally get investigations over something so late in a Grand Prix, which I guess is probably part of the reason why it took so long, especially when it was a late race battle for the win, which is like the worst case scenario if you're in if you're in a stew trying to come up with a quick decision, which Although we did get that in the form of a free race More on that later (laughs) (laughs) Well uh,
2: yeah the direct quote From Massey was the primary part As to why we didn't get going With the stewards hearing until 6pm Because of the various media commitments Television pan and the post race Press conference Uh, The hearing itself is give or take about an hour With all parties involved Uh, And it continues On the stewards (laughs) deliberated Deliberated Wow Deliberated, Deliberated uh, Looked at other cases, presidents And spoke between themselves And by the time you write the decision Make sure there are no typos or anything in it And so forth, and then summon the teams back Delivering this decision to them it, it quickly adds up Because again The teams have to be the first person To hear the decision, they can't just Release it out into the wild
0: Right, teams need to know In case teams need to appeal And things like that as well, so <laughs> You know, little things like that. I mean, Ferrari were very quick to say, "No, we're not going to appeal this. We're going to we're going to let this one go this time round." Unlike Canada, <laughs> but uh, no, we got the review. we got the official result. I think it was about court about it was quarter to eight local time. Verstappen wins. Everybody rejoices, and Channel Four actually got the first interview with uh, Max Verstappen after the Stewart decision came out. So, for once, the benefit of Channel Four being on extended highlights and being. Off live TV at the moment actually came into good prominence. How useful is that? By the time Sky had already got off the air, Channel Four was still there and they were able to interview. Which thought was quite a cool touch, um, like directly after the race, because you know we got all the uh, usual F1 uh, branded takes. Of, if, if that's if that's illegal, we all going to pack up and go home. <laughs> you know, I will. <laughs> it was like, right, hard, good hard racing, etc. Like, I'm, I'm going to. That's the hashtag I'm going to use from now on in case someone base mentions the good old days. I'm going to call it hashtag good hard races. Uh, basically, because that's exactly what. That, that narrative comes up so many goddamn times. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I
3: didn't have a problem um, with it. And <coughs> I, okay, I grew up on American motorsport where out passed at the corkscrew at Laguna Seca. Today, it would be a blatant corner cut. In 1996, it was awesome. You think back to the greatest finish in NASCAR history, one of the greatest ones, Brad Keselowski versus Marcus Ambrose and watkins Lynn, They were abusing track limits like nobody's business, and nobody cared.
2: But, I mean, things to a certain degree haven't really changed in IndyCar, because I still remember, I think it might be the most recent race that we had at the Milwaukee Mile back in t- 2015, where Sebastian Bourdais won the race with an underweight car, he still got to keep the race win. His team was just fine. Yeah,
0: and James Hint- and James Hinchcliffe, when he was second in Texas in 2016, who finished in second that race, you know, was allowed to keep the second, but he lost half his race points because he- his dome his domed skid was too far worn in. So it does happen, in that but sense, you,
3: know, you know they like, penalized Bourdais for making a pass with what half a wheel on the yellow line of pit exit at Long Beach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still sigh, but uh, yes, Max Verstappen wins. Good for him. You know, fun times for all involved. And to be fair, he deserved it. It was a magnificent yeah, performance well, from uh, from uh, from uh, from uh, and for Verstappen Honda on that one. Again, for, for Honda too. Yeah, you and know, from Honda. A, a, a very good point to mention because lost in, the, lost in the shuffle of all of this. Honda's first win in Formula One, I believe, since Hungry 2006. Yes, it was. Their second um, win in
3: 27 years. Could you imagine in that time span, Mugen Honda had more wins as an engine supplier than Honda proper?
0: Yeah, like I had literally the same amount of podcasts in that same time as they had wins in my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> two um so yeah their first win in 13 years and you could see the emotions in the honda camp um as they crossed the line I, I let's not forget this team got an absolute plastering for how they started their return in f1 and it's been a long road and a long a lot of graft a lot of stick a lot of uh, you know questionable comments you know a lot of pr disasters with the mclaren mm-hmm. team obviously changing to red bull a lot of question marks and naysayers but a an a, a an engine that's not really gone wrong at all so far for red bull this season and their first win in 13 years so congratulations to the honda racing camp finally getting a win on four wheels rather than two and for once. it to be
3: on austria <laughs> after we poke fun at them for years for having underpowered and unreliable engines not just unreliable mm. considering how many turbo units yeah. how many mgu k mgu hs broke down but also they were slow right out the box and for them to come out and win in austria a power track among all others
0: yeah a a brilliant brilliant win much deserved i think i think that's something that very easily got lost in in the shuffle of obviously the Verstappen leclerc decision but a brilliant brilliant win uh for honda and congratulations to them i uh, Oh, VAR check for a penalty in the England game, by the way. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just keeping half an eye on that one in the background. A possible penalty, and I think it's a debatable one. Um, I'll re- give it the rundown in just a second. Ref's having a look at the screen. He's like, Ref is going over to have a look at the monitors. I'll get back to that in a minute. Um, but here's a quick rundown, and we'll, also, we'll, we'll, we'll stop along the way and, and pick out some of the key performances. Uh, Max Verstappen. Uh, winning by 2.7 seconds in the end over Charles Leclerc, surely that first win is coming. That was a that was a brilliant driver. He ve- he did very very little wrong. Also, by the way, on the VAR check, it looks like the England players taking a dive. As yeah, far as I'm concerned. So,
2: Alan White took a dive. Jesus, that,
0: that looks like that looks like a dive from where I'm sitting. But I could, you know, well let's see if the ref buys it. <laughs> Although there is a smidgen of contact before she goes down, and I think. C- could be dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> More on that in a second. <laughs> uh, again, refs having a good look at the review booth on that one. They're giving it the old cricket rock and roll treatment right now as we speak. It's a, it's a fun time. We're all bricking it because there's only nine <laughs> minutes to go in the game here as well. But um, so uh, yeah, Valtteri Bottas very quietly rounded off the podium in third, nineteen seconds off the win, um, which goes to show you just how far off the pace Mercedes were at on this one. Um, but, uh, Lex, uh, but uh, yeah, a, a very quiet one. And then he had a very rampaging Sebastian Vettel right behind him. He actually put it on the grass, coming off the final corner on the final lap in a desperate attempt to try and get up to Valtteri in time. Couldn't do it. Um, so, yeah, Sebastian Vettel, just not his day at the office. Very unlucky, but still a solid fourth place. Referees finished looking at the review, by mm-hmm. the way. Coming back onto the pitch... VAR decision. Penalty! Oh <laughs> my god.
3: Okay. Oh boy, this ain't over yet, folks. Uh, oh. before, before we start to go into nuclear meltdown, should we talk about the the other team that really excelled? Because we talked about how Honda have excelled mm. with Red Bull. But after splitting yes. with 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 McLaren, McLaren this year have been really good, and they continue to be good.
0: Again, not only did Lando Norris have a very solid race where he finished in sixth, um, we also had, very quietly off, off the back burner, Carlos Sainz, who had to start the race from 19th on the grid, after uh taking um power uh, taking a power unit penalty he had to start from effectively the back of the field in p19 he came all the way through into eighth place um a brilliant drive it's a shame we didn't really see any of it on the hard camera over the course of the race but uh a a brilliant drive nonetheless from carlos um and yeah all, all the vamos chants going on in the mercedes garage after that one um Another brilliant drive from Carlos eh, King? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like, man, look, Mc- McLaren in general, like they've really not only taken a step up from last year, but they've taken a step up from just the start of the Penalty season. Penalty saved.
1: Oh yeah. Thank-,
2: <laughs> thank God. Oh, oh it's a dying.
1: what a I'm
0: sorry. <sighs> sorry, had to do it. God damn it, England. <sighs> Uh, carry on King don't mind me but yeah they've taken a
2: step up from not only last year but from just the start of the season where it's like McLaren McLaren are not clearly best of the rest but they're, they're definitely sticking their nose in making sure that yeah we're McLaren and you know maybe there'll be one day this season where stuff will happen stuff will break out and we'll maybe snatch a podium away from somebody
0: Indeed. Um, a, a, again, a brilliant drive from Carlos. Again, it's still going to be a matter of picking up what they can get, but it it looks like McLaren have really found themselves again. And, you know, they've still got a, a lot of work to do to get to the front three, of course, because let's be real here, we still kind of evaluate McLaren in the context of the big things rather than, you know, P6 and P8, but... You know, they look like the best of the rest right now. And that is a very, very promising sign for them going... going By far and away. By far Um, and away
3: the best of the rest. Carlos Sainz is driving like the man that he was at Toro Rosso before he went to Renault last year. And I think his slump in 2018 was really more down to Renault as a team than Sainz as a driver. Because this is the Carlos Sainz we voted as driver of the year back in 2017. And Lando Norris runaway rookie of the year in my opinion yes he has a better car than any of the four rookies in the field but he is maximizing that equipment to his best with two top sits so far this year
0: indeed he's driven very very well indeed um you know so far so good uh for lando on that one uh lando p6 um in the in the end on that one again ahead of pierre gasly who uh oh boy Pierre Gasly in the middle of a McLaren sandwich he was lapped during the race by his teammates
3: Mm. I'm gonna say this
0: it it is Astonishing, and
3: I cannot get my head around how a man who won the Renault Euro Cup championship, second in Formula 3.5, decides, GP2 champion, Super Formula Vice champion, took Toro Rosso to fourth on merit in Bahrain and sits in Hungary, and now all of a sudden you bring him into Red Bull and he drives like a lesser version of himself. I don't know if it's something wrong with Breaking the card. Breaking news,
0: red card, for, sorry, red card for England in the game against the USA. England are down to 10 men, or 10 women, I should say, in this case. Sorry about that. Yeah, Millie Bright's been sent off. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's 10 v. 11 um, in the English. game.
3: Commiserations, UK. Dre. Uh, commiserations, Dre. Yeah. The collapse begins. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. I know P- Pierre Gasly is underperforming, but something else seems off. Something must not be right with the car, and they've already had to replace his chassis. And the problem is, as well, I know Pierre is struggling to start the season to adapt to the new car that he's driving, but it's been nine races, and he still hasn't mm. adapted. And if you're Red Bull, you're just like, if you're really committed on dumping Pierre Gasly after one season, what do you do to replace him? Because Colmett Marco's not going to bring De- uh, Daniel Kvyat as much as he should. Alexander Albon is probably one year away from prime time. Patricio Ward is certainly not ready. We'll get to him in a bit. So what do you do? Do you go out and get a free agent like Nico Hülkenberg? Ooh.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't know what you do, because... Um, also, by the way, hi, I've got some lights on in here again now, so you can actually see my face. <laughs> um, that's useful. Um, <laughs> but uh, n- look, I, I, I don't know what to make of the Gasly situation. It's like England's women's football team. It's the hope that kills you. Um, and <laughs> it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's not pretty, to say the least. Um, and being lapped by a team. I think Christian Horner said after the race, it, 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 we need to press control-alt-delete on Gasly, which is not a good sign. Um, I do hope he gets given time to adapt. I am... Uh, it's it's not a good situation, because I'd feel a bit better about it if it wasn't for how Red Bull treat their drivers, you know, in the past. It's, it's made me a bit more sceptical about what could happen with Gasly going forward. Um, that's what concerns me more than anything else. Um, so, I hope he's given time. I, again, I, I don't see what the hell you do if, if you do cut him early. Again, like, Alex Albon isn't ready for prime time, in my opinion. Kiviat would be a huge ego dent to Helmut Marko, who was determined to shove him out the door twice already. And now you're promoting him back to the Red Bull seat again. And remember, um, they
3: gave up know. Carlos Sainz. They gave up Carlos Sainz because he would have been the perfect fit for that drive. If not for the fact that Max Verstappen and him didn't get along.
0: Precisely. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit worrying on that one. But uh, hopefully, Gasly gets time to adapt more than anything else. Because yeah, they gave up they gave up the house for this Verstappen Gasly team, and uh, it's not working out how anyone would have liked. Well, maybe for one driver, anyway. As mentioned, Carlos signs in eighth, Kimi Raikkonen in ninth, and Antonio Giovinazzi his first F1 point in, uh, in tenth place. Congrats yes. to him! You may have seen the video do the rounds on social media where he promised his, his uh, boss, Frederic Vasseur, if he got a point in F1, someone would have to cut off the back oh, of his mullet. Oh no! <laughs> but that's um, the
3: best part. Gio's <laughs> blowing
0: yeah. bullets. If you haven't, if if you haven't seen it, go on the F1 Instagram page or on Sauber's Twitter account. if you haven't seen it, uh, like Frederick literally runs around the back of the camp with a pair of scissors and has to chop. I'm just the glad back. Colin
3: Cars is not his team boss instead of Frederick Vasseur because he'd be getting the teeth pulled.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, also, so yeah. First, yes. points, first points for an Italian geez. driver since Tony Luzzi in 2010. Oh, Oh, almost a decade. Yeah, that tells you how deep the Italian talent drought to Formula One has been uh, since Trulli and Liuzzi stepped away at the end of 11.
0: Yeah, more news coming from the USA game. Seven minutes added time. I repeat, seven minutes added time for the VAR check. Um, So, yeah, seven minutes other than that one. They've just gone into injury time now on Mm. that one. Um, Phil Neville's basically throwing the house. It's like he's about to explode. Yeah. Um, on the sideline, um, so he's throwing the house at this one. If anyone wants to call for a miracle, now would be a good time. Bottom half of the, of the scores a bit. Sergio Perez in 11th. Danny Ricardo in 12th. seemed like a bit of a waste of talent at the moment. And then with, with him and Hulkenberg in 13th. Lance Stroll 40. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Daniel Ricardo, Turned 30 yesterday. Congrats to him. God, he's thirty already. I feel old just saying that. Um, Ricardo um, ahead of Hulkenberg. Lance Stroll fourteenth. Albon fifteenth. Grosjean sixteenth. Who went an entire race I've had a whiny radio message? Congrats to him. Um, Kvyat seventeenth. George Russell, who was actually seen on hard camera battling a house at one point. Progress. Right, and uh, George Russell in 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 eighteenth. Kevin Magnussen nineteenth. Robert Kubica twentieth. Three laps down, but accidentally driver of the day for about 48 hours. Yeah, he won the driver of the day vote, but F1 didn't publish it. Apparently, it was some sort of publishing error <laughs> behind the scenes, and it was revealed that Max Verstappen was actually driver of the day with a, with a 74% majority. Of As the it vote. should have been.
3: Hmm As it should have been. Also, note on Kevin Magnussen, he had an early uh, drive-through penalty for being out of position on his grid start, and his race. Yeah, it didn't get it didn't get better than the fifth place qualifying effort that he had. Haas are garbage at Racecraft. And things are only getting worse garbage. for them from there. More on that in the news section.
0: Indeed. Um championship standings real quick. Hamilton of 197 points, about Valtteri on 166, he's 31 behind now as we get closer and closer to the summer break. Um, Verstappen is now back up to third on 126 points. He's three ahead of Sebastian Vettel in fourth on 123. Charles Leclerc up to 105 in fifth. Then it's a long way back to Pierre Gasly in Formula 1.25 on 43. Carlos Sainz now takes an eight-point lead in the Formula 1.5 standings <laughs> over his teammate Lando Norris, 30-22. He's up. Um, ahead of um, Kimi Raikkonen on 21 points, and Nana Ricciardo on 16 to round off the top 10. Constructors' Championship, Mercedes now has a 135-point lead, 363 to Ferrari's 228. Red Bull... Um, You know, in third on 169, then in the the best-of-the-rest hunt, McLaren now has a 20-point lead on Renault, who failed to score a point this weekend, whereas McLaren takes home another solid haul of 12 points themselves. Uh, Alfa Romeo uh, back up into 6th place now uh, they've cleared away from the tie they had with Racing Points they're now on 22 points in 6th place which is, a, which is a solid job from Alfa Romeo if I do say so myself Racing Point in 7th on 19 points, Toro Rosso on 17 points, Haas on 16 points, still ninth for the standings right now, still they have not scored a point since Monaco that's now 3 straight weekends where Haas has failed to score a point trifle concerning and, of course, Williams at the back, still on nil. F1 is back with the British Grand Prix. You know, that favourite round you got to take out of a mortgage to be able to afford tickets to, unless you're an F1 YouTuber, <laughs> um, basically. So, have, have fun with that one. That's in two weeks' time on July 14th. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun for all concerned. Hopefully. Maybe. Who's, who's, who's here excited for Hamilton Land? <laughs> Anyone?
3: I don't know what to expect out of this race, to be honest. It could be really great. It could be really terrible. It'll be densely populated, and people will have paid way too much for their tickets. I'm optimistic. I want to be optimistic about this race. The last one was so good. This one can't be terrible, right?
2: I hope so. (laughs) Man.
0: Right? One can only hope. Like... Britain could be good in p- on paper, but, but that's what worries me. Mm, you know, I got a feeling Hamptons just going to piss off in the distance. But hopefully, I'm hopefully I'm wrong on that front. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, and we also get Channel Four live! Hooray! <laughs>
3: You're only free to air race. in
0: the chat? No. Also, loving the chat from Cam, Merck's gonna beat that ass, um, which <laughs> kinda says it all. And also, Devin Butler for Rebel in the chat from Joe <laughs> Eddie. Well uh, F1 2019
3: <laughs> available VF- on PC, PlayStation 4, and at spots 360. This is not an advertisement.
0: I've, I actually. Excuse me, I
3: said at spots 360. What the fuck? At me. <laughs> at spots 1
0: full-time in the UK-USA game. Yeah! The United States are moving on Woo! to the Women's World Cup Final.
2: It's like, I believe that we have won.
0: <laughs> we didn't even need Megan Rapinoe.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, we didn't even have to summon Rapinoe. I hope she's okay. Apparently, she has a hamstring injury.
0: Oh, I like Megan as well. Well, well, no nothing but respect for my president. <laughs> Con- yeah. I'll 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 say this much. Congratulations to the United States. They like as much as they are the enemies and whatnot, and you know, they are a incredible women's team and I hope I hope none of them go to the fucking White House, like Megan <laughs> quoted earlier this week. They are a very likable set of, of gals, and I wished them the very best in the final, purely because of my American colleagues. Yep.
2: And they're, um, they're going to Congress so... to beat AOC.
0: Hey, we like AOC. <laughs> She's cool. Also, shout out to those guys who mentioned it as well. This rocked up in the post today. Maybe expect videos on this soon. I don't know. I'll see how I feel. Because apparently the uh, YouTube scene at the moment with the uh, F 2019 is not promising. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's uh, it's crushed the smaller guys, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 wait and see <laughs> on that one. But well done, England, on making the semi finals. That was a hell of an effort. Um, there's no disgrace in losing to the Americans whatsoever. And plus, um, it's going I'm to make going
3: Piers to Morgan upset. miserable. So that's always a great thing. <laughs>
0: That's that's very much true. Um, You know, uh, so that's fun. Some things in football never change, as uh, Kelly Bone puts in the chat. But, uh... (laughs) we get into Formula 2 real quick and, and get Formula 3 out of the way before we get into the motor session? Oh TV my god,
3: section. so I want to first talk about the finish to Formula 3 race number two on Sunday King. Because it came down to Prima drivers Robert Schwartzman, backed by SP Racing, and Marcus Armstrong in a final lap showdown for the win. Schwartzman, th- again, this is coming off a VSC restart. So, Schwartzman has the advantage over Armstrong. Armstrong tries a lunge up the inside of turn three or two, depending on what your definition of a turn is. The two of them make contact. Schwartzman gets a puncture. Armstrong gets his ring knocked out of place. And behind them, Jake Hughes, who said he was waiting for the two cars up in front of them to make contact. Well, they did. Uh, Armstrong, Armstrong took the win on the track, but was assessed a five-second time penalty for avoidable contact, thus granting the win to Jake Hughes.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord.
3: I mean, I
0: think, this, I think this one was a fair bit more clean cut. I mean, Schwarzman literally chop-blocked him going into the breaking zone. You can't do that. Like, that's so dangerous. To, like, he clearly thought he was far enough ahead going into the corner, but he clearly wasn't, and then smashes the front wing off... Of Armstrong's car, and then Armstrong has to beach it in the gravel due to a puncture he suffered as a result of the contact. Um, but yeah, I, I could—that was a, shall we say, much more clear-cut race-winning yeah, decision. I have the um, uh, the link.
3: Yeah. Uh, the Formula One channel actually posted the last lap of the race on their YouTube channel. Because it but a it also starter. gets
2: very. It got dicey in the interviews afterwards because Swordsman mm. said, "In my opinion, it was a racing incident. We were fighting for the win, and it happened so quick. I feel sorry for Marcus for the, for the DNF and and for my penalty, but I think the I think the penalty is deserved because he didn't finish. But I feel myself." I don't feel myself that I did something completely wrong. And didn't
3: Schwartzman inherit, like, a win off of similar situations back at Catalonia?
2: Yep. <laughs> and yep. and then, uh, Armstrong clapped back, saying that he was glad that, he, that Schwartzman got the penalty. Oh! <laughs> and their teammates! Oh, boy. This is not gonna end well,
0: is it? Good hard racing coming up at Silverstone. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Good yeah, just
3: um, Just running through the uh, race one, we had Yuri Vips taking his first win of the season. Red Bull junior driver ahead of Max Futral of Red Bull and Marcus Armstrong in third. Rest of the race to podium was Jan Daravala in second. And Robert Schwartzman demoted down to third. But Schwartzman still has an eight point lead over Daravala in second. Vips is third at 63. Armstrong fourth. Futral fifth. Pedro Piquet, Jake Hughes, Christian Lundgaard, Nico Carey, and David Beckman. Rounding out
2: your top ten. Though funny enough about Beckman, we talk about the ART double pe- double disqualification and qualifying. Oh my god! I forgot, a, I forgot about a this. rogue physio. A rogue, fi- uh, what, what a rogue, t-
0: rogue physio. What? what? Physio. So I've not heard about this. So uh,
2: uh, in Formula Three, they're limited to eleven-person crews that are allowed to work on the cars, and. Uh, ART had physios holding coolers for the intake for uh, Kristen Lungard and David Beckman, and they weren't declared a part of the 11-person crew, so both Lungard and Beckman were disqualified from qualifying. Oof.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, that, that, that is an ugly one. Oh, dear. The rogue physio around <laughs> the world. And, that was,
3: and consider, that was the second wildest thing to happen in Formula 3 this weekend. It <laughs> might have upstaged anything that happened in Formula Two, which is hardly ever upstaged for excitement.
2: God, Be- and we got a lot of new changes in the Formula Two grid heading into this race. Yes, award
0: Patricio, rocked
3: up. Patricio <laughs> Award rocked up. In a sequence of events, he was brought in to replace Mahaveerangunathan. Thank the Lord. Uh, but we also had Ralph Boschung drop from Trident. And I believe he was replaced mm. by uh, fellow American Ryan Vetter. And uh, we also had um, Dorian Bocalacci drop from Campos, which brought in Arjun Manias back.
0: Yay. Now It's
3: like. None of them fared well. None of them finished in the points. In fact, Mania was disqualified for the feature race. Uh, but we did have some winners who've been waiting a long time to get back to the top step of the podium. In the case of feature race winner Nobuhara Matsushita, his first win since 2017, and his first feature race win... Prince Nobby! The $750 man is back with his first feature race (laughs) win in history!
2: (laughs) A reference to episode 100.
0: (laughs) A year too late, but not overdue. Thanks, Prince Nobby. fuck! Sergi... You know what? In... This, is, this is what I thought of that pick in the Centennial Cup. Yes, it's a bag of trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great,
3: <man>. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. Overhaul Luca Giotto at the end of the race to take the win. Giotto second, and Nick DeVries with another podium to bolster his championship challenge in third. And in the sprint race, it was Sergio Sete Camera who came from fourth on the grid to win his first sprint race, ahead of Giotto and ahead of DeVries on the podium again. And, of course, one of the big highlights of that sprint race was Mick Schumacher had a terrible feature race. He stalled on the grid and was relegated to almost a lap down in 18th. But from 18th on the sprint race grid, he charged to fourth and almost took that final podium off of Nick DeVries. That's the Mick
2: Schumacher we were hoping to see this season. I hope that marks a turnaround.
3: Indeed.
2: Yeah, I, I hope Mick it just happens to just be better in the second half in every series he drives in. Yeah. There are six more rounds left, and
3: at the halfway point, here is how the Formula 2 Drivers' Championship stands. Nick DeVries has amassed a massive 152 points. He is 37 ahead of Nicholas Latifi, who is now slumped to second and hasn't been on the podium since Catalonia. Sergio Sete-Camera jumps up to third on 107. Luca Giotto jumps up to fourth on 97. Jack Aitken is down to fifth on 86. Yu Zhao in sixth on 85. Antoine Hubert on 77. Novojara Matsushita on 61. Luis Delbatraz, who had a scary incident in the uh, sprint race, uh, lost the brakes and crashed in, but he's still ninth on 42 points. Jordan King's still hanging in there in 40 points and 10th.
0: Hey. Again, Formula 2, Formula 3. Fun times for all involved. Ooh. If you haven't seen that Formula 3 last lap, go out of your way to see it. Fun ah, times so for all good. involved. Yeah, so good. That was a, 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 a stunner. And uh, yeah, awesome stuff as always. Right. After this quick musical break... Insert here. <laughs> we'll come back to you to have a quick talk of Monaco GP and the Dutch Grand Prix at Assen. This was the race we were all super hyped up for in MotoGP this time around. Like, Assen last year, in case you haven't seen it, was a barnstormer, an absolute classic. Um... Uh, pff, uh, of, a, of a race. We had seven guys fighting for the win. Valentino Rossi giving Jorge Lorenzo a French kiss at 150 miles an hour. Um, about 60 different lead changes um, in the run-up to the race itself and Marc Marquez taking an epic, epic victory. This year... Not quite on the same level, unfortunately, but uh, still a fun time. Um, We had Fabio Quattararo on pole position once again. Um, He's he's the youngest man now to ever have back-to-back pole positions. Um, he outquodified maverick Vinales to pole position by a tenth of a second in the end. It was a very spread out qualifying. Normally, it's a lot closer than this. A second covered the top five. Um, Rins was third, Marquez fourth, and Joan Mir. Yes, the other Suzuki in, in fifth, um, but he was a second off pole. It was a very weird session. I mean, it was the way it was going all weekend long. Like, the, the two clear fastest guys by a mile was uh, maverick Vinales and uh, Fabio Quattararo on the Yamahas. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how the race played out, too. Um, it was a lot more spread out this time around. We had, uh, we had we, again, we had a big fun fight in the leading group for a little while. At one point, we actually had both Suzuki's leading. Uh, Rin's ahead of me, and I was like, oh, God, could we get a Suzuki 1-2? Oh that could be fun. And then Alex Rin's bins it from the lead. Oh. Oh. Two laps in. Apparently, it was... Apparently, apparently, it was the wind. The wind uh, forced his front wheel up in a braking area um, towards turn nine. Um, it, it unsettled the bike, and when he knew he wasn't going to make the corner, tried to save it by trail braking, and then just the front completely went in completely, and down he went. Um, Rins from the lead of the race, binned it and everyone was just like, "Oh." <laughs> um, it, it, it's, he also the other really, you know, big bigger. Uh, highlight of the race was a huge accident, uh, between Valentino Rossi and Taka Nakagami, um, I think uh, fighting out, I think it was for 12th place at the time, um, Taka was collected apparently by Rossi, who was struggling, trying to, you know, override the bike to get back up the field, and, uh, he tucked the front, lost it, collected Nakagami, and this was at the back of the track, a huge braking. I it was a, a 140 mile an hour braking zone. It was very scary to watch in real time. Thankfully, both, thankfully both riders okay. Good. Um, was. Tucker looked real bad. Like was down, and they were getting the stretcher out for him. At the, at the as we were watching the race live, but thankfully, uh, no harm done, only bruises. Uh, thankfully, um, and maybe a, a small amount of damage. Sort um, of pride. I'm just checking the chat as well because, uh, yeah, um, the the reference in the race tw- winner tweet was literally for your benefit. <laughs> I didn't see this. What, <laughs> what what's, the, what's the tweet in question? I may I may have uh, the headline it. says "Return um, of the Mac." <laughs> ah! <laughs> what a way to jump into
3: our winner, Maverick Vinales, back on top.
0: First of all, that's brilliant. Well played, Lewis. Love you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> we named an episode after this, when he the last time he won a Grand Prix, which is a fun fact about that I'll get to in a minute. But yes, in the leading group, Maverick Vinales took the lead and eventually took off with about eight laps to go. Marquez tried to chase him down in second. Um... Mark could see what was happening, he didn't want to override it, he thought, let's take the second. I don't believe him for a second, given that Honda had a special 60th anniversary winner's flag, just in case. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, I don't, I think Marquez was more forced into second rather than him playing the championship game. But still, 20 very well-earned points, especially given, one, Rins binned it and two, Dovi was off the podium. So, hey, more points gained for the title race. But yeah, as said, Maverick Vinales uh, dominated uh, the, the second half of the race to take a pretty comfortable victory in the end by 4.8 seconds. Um, the th- Again, like uh, fun fact, the last time, and again, I can't remember who it was on Twitter to mention this, but uh, I will f- hopefully find it and put it in the notes down below. But the last time Maverick Vinales won, won a MotoGP race was... Philip Island last season. That was on October 28th, 2018. I mentioned that date in particular because on that same day, some guy called Max Verstappen won his last Grand Prix, <laughs> the Mexican Grand Prix, last year, also on October 28th, and their initials are both MV.
2: God, I love Conspiracy.
0: <laughs> Conspiracy. Cue the tinfoil foil. <laughs> 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 the
1: last...
0: Both going the exact same distance between their last race victories. Um, So, yeah, that's a fun little conspiracy for you. Fabio Quattararo finished third in the end. He was a distant nine seconds off the win. He was leading the race at one point, and we thought, hey, maybe this will be the first win for Fabio. Not quite. He he made a bit of a of it, he admitted it himself after the race. He may have seen it during the race itself. His his bike was having a lot of wobble um, going into some of the harder braking zones. Turns out that was his own making. Um, Hodson on commentary was implying on BT Sport that there might have been a bike error, like something wasn't locking right. He admitted he was just taking the wrong lines. He was taking the wrong lines in the heavy braking zones, and that's what was unsettling the bike. He very nearly crashed a couple of times And he's still finishing third out of all um, that.
3: That's kid special.
0: Yeah, he basically readjusted after... Figuring out that uh, by following Maverick and Mark, he was taking a different line and he ended up solving the problem himself, basically, Uh, because he was taking a much more narrow line into the heavier breaking zones because he was trying to stop Marquez from going around the outside of him. Which didn't work. <laughs> but uh, props for trying. I mean, this kid is still learning. And he's learning literally as the race goes on. It's like watching the Dragon Ball Z Broly movie all over again. Like, the guy's just learning as he fights. It's ridiculous. He's like a learning computer. The win is coming. Make no mistake. Um, as mentioned, Marquez wasn't going to throw the house in it when his main title threat, Andrea DiVizioso, finished in fourth. 14 seconds off the win. Hmm... hmm. Not such a good day for him. I know some of the Italian press was a lot more scathing regarding this. Apparently saying that, uh, and I quote, Dovi needs to take more risks, and <laughs> Betrix needs to stop treating Dovi like a lost, like a long-lost brother. Yikes. The, the, the claws are already coming out here in the Ducati camp, because I think they feel like this title's already slipping away again. Hey, because it's not like Germany's next or anything. Uh-oh. <laughs> Whoops. Uh... <laughs> Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Um, Frankie Morbidelli matched his career-high finish on the second patrona Yamaha in fifth, ahead of dinner Petrucci in sixth. Crutchlow seventh. Mir fell to eighth in the late stages, just ahead of Jack Miller in ninth. André only you know, and in the top wow, ten for Wow, Jesus, nice I didn't even
3: notice that. Well done, Andrea.
0: Yes, the plastic surgery's finally come good. Um, yeah, it will be really great for his future modelling career. Um, then the Super Aspagaro brothers, a pole ahead of Alish again, 11th for pole, uh, 12th for Rilish. Um Miguel Oliveira, the dentist in 13th, good points for him on the on the K- T- KTM Tech 3. Peko Bagnaia in 14th place, what's happened to him? Um, and Afiz Siren was the last of the point scorers in 15th place on the second KTM Tech 3. Um, Tito Rabat and Karen Abraham both suffered, I think, crashes during the course of the race. Actually, no, Rabat didn't, but Abraham did, sorry. Zarco um, again, didn't make it 10 laps from the flag. Mechanical problem, I believe. Nakagami and Rossi hit each other, and Alex Rins uh, was the only other DNF on the second lap of the Grand Prix. Sad face. Mm-hmm. Sad face indeed. Um, again. We, we had a rookie one, too, at one point. Um, again, shout out to the, uh, Lewis of the Cobb saying same also got done by Morbidetti at the chicane on the last lap because he was trying not to attack Dovi. <laughs> Oops. Um... <so laughs> Yes, um, I also agree with him when he says throw all the money at Fabio Yes, completely agreed um, On that one, and also saying Ian uh, uh, only literally spent every practice session trying to tow off Marquez Oh, and shout out to Andrew in the chat as mentioned apparently Zaka had an arm pump problem oh boy. Had to pull over Arm right, pump. Another arm pump situation. Yikes. Um, so yeah, Marquez now has a 44-point lead in the championship. over <laughs> Uh Guys, this is not looking good <laughs> for any other title contender, given, as we mentioned, signature round coming up in Germany very, very what soon. What is this, his fourth um, home Grand, Grand Prix, G- Prix coming up? Something like that. <laughs> um, Andrei Levitskyosov second on 116 points. Petrucci further on 108. Rins on 101. Rossi on fifth, fifth on 72. Fabio shooting up the board quite rapidly here. Now sixth on 67. Maverick on 65. Jack Miller on 60. Paul Spagaro ninth, still ninth in the championship on 52 points, somehow ahead of Cal Crutchlow, who's on 51 in temp, three points ahead of his teammate. As mentioned, the other big piece of news um, that uh, that came through in the Grand Prix was that Jorge Lorenzo had a massive, um, massive crash um, into the gravel trap in Sector 2 on Friday, and FP1 um, fractured his vertebra as a result of the incident. He will be in a uh, one of those support frames for apparently at least a month which means that's going to put him out through the summer break. He's aiming to come back at Bruneau. Um, but uh, another big injury for one of the toughest riders I think we've ever seen in GPS. Because if you know the story of Lorenzo over the years, he's taken some almighty Right, including
3: one in six drawing. years ago at Assen. I can remember he fell off the bike. I believe he mm. broke his collarbone, flew out to get emergency surgery, then came back and finished the race on Saturday, I believe.
0: Yes, he, he, he came back on Saturday for the race itself after basically breaking a collarbone and then getting it operated on on the same day by flying by a private jet to Barcelona and back and forth, basically. He came back and finished the Grand Prix. And it was, and it
3: was the subject um, of one of my favorite uh, motorsports photos of all time because this was at the time they were promoting some Superman movie. And they had a picture of Lorenzo riding in front of that billboard. It's just like, yes, this is very telling. Lorenzo in that time was Superman.
0: He really was. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. One of the all-time uh, most ridiculous uh, GP performances we've ever seen, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, Lorenzo was taking some dings over the... I still remember the massive high side he had at Laguna Seca back, I think, in 2007, where he was l- absolutely flung off the damn thing. Um, going into turn five, I think, at like 150 miles an hour, he was fl- like you, you could see in the shots, he's literally, like, horizontal... To vertical as he's flung off on a high side, and again, I think he broke both his ankles, um, in that crash. Um, he's had some bad ones in his career. I sincerely hope he's physically okay because again, he's taken a lot of punishment over the years, and you know, I, I do worry about his health at some point. You know, it's uh, it's not ideal to say the least. Um, so you know, I don't want him to be another Pedrosa in that sense, but uh, hey. Who knows. We'll have to wait and see how that one goes. Again, get well soon, Jorge Lorenzo, and I hope to see you back on a bike in good hands real soon. Quick rundowns of the Moto2 Moto3 race. The Moto2 race was the best race of the weekend, which is a weird thing to say about Moto2 most of the time. Uh Um, uh, Chaos reigned on this one. A a very, very big leading group. A lot of accidents. A lot of scraps all, all over the place. The big one was Lorenzo Baldessari... I basically continued his, his reputation of checkers or wreckers by having a drop in the leading group at turn one and collecting Alex Marquez from underneath him. Um, <laughs> with, just, with just two laps to go to oh. the end. Um, so, yeah, Marquez, who was gunning for a fourth win in a row, Um, was taken out by arguably his number one title rival in Lorenzo Barazzari right from the end. Zavi Vierge had a big crash, Bestinini went down, Martín collected Sam Lowe's by accident and then crashed himself. Um, Navarro went down, Remy Gardner binned it from pole, which was another real disappointment. Um, first Aussie on pole, I think, since the days of... Uh, I want to say McDoan actually, back in the days. i, I, I guess you want to count... Because uh, Jack Miller never raced in most of I too. love the Finally, suggestion yeah. that Lewis Sotheby's not betting because he had Marquez to win this race. <laughs> oh, no. Like, this, is, this is the chat here. Balna cost me €160 because I had Arbelino, Marquez, and Maverick as the three-class winners. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, first since Stoner, by the way. Yes makes sense Yeah, yeah. Moto2 was batshit crazy Um, When the dust settled um, At the end uh, Augusto Fernandez takes his first ever Grand Prix victory So nice to see him To be fair he's been working real hard on that Pons bike Since he came in as a mid-season replacement Last year for Hector Barbera A great drive from the uh, number 40 himself um, To get his first ever class win And Brad Binder who was sliding all over the place on that KTM, get this man on a MotoGP bike—a brilliant second place from Binder Seeking, on a KTM Seeking, that had no business Seeking there. Seeking
3: promise from a team in blue and orange, just like you would hope for.
0: Yay! Yay. They totally didn't. <laughs> they totally didn't shit the bed. Um, so that you know, that's a fun one, right? Right? The L- Lord Binder has returned. Good to yeah. see. And uh, Luca Marini, who we barely saw on camera the entire race, finished in third for the Sky VR46 team. Heard uh, of Thomas Lutti for Dynavolt, uh, Tetsuya Nagashima, with his best results so far in his career in fifth place, Locatelli in sixth. Stefano Manzi, who didn't somehow crash during the race, finished in seventh. Amazing. MV Augusta. Both of them in the top 10, because Domi Agata was in ninth as well. So congrats to MV on a, a double top 10 finish. Very nice indeed. Marcel Schrotter splitting them in 8th. Uh, Marco Bezecchi in turns off the top 10. Remember him from last year's Murder Free title? Yeah, the rookies are coming alive. Uh, Fabio Digi Antonio in 11th. Um, Jake Dixon for Great Britain in 12th. Yeah. <laughs> BSB's finest from last year, gets his first career GP points. Great to hear from him in 12th place. He's worked very hard on that angle on the Eto, but come back from a concussion and has done great. So, a great result for Jake Dixon in 12th. Lucas Tolovic in 13th. Joe Roberts in 14th. Michael like Quona ran off the points in, uh, in 15th place. Uh, quick run rundown of the championship over there. Uh, Thomas Luti, the gatekeeper, back on top, 117 points. Uh, six ahead of Alex Marquez. Augusto Fernandez now third on 92, ahead of Jorge Navarro on 89. Baldazzari on 88. Marini 84. Schrotter 81. Lord Binder in eighth on, eight, on 64. Bastianini ninth on 56. And Remy Gardner in tenth on 41. Moto3, real quick. Again, not quite the barnstorm we, we, you'd come Yo. to expect. It. It was, the fight was really the fun fight for third more than anything else. We actually had a last lap dogfight um, at the end. A one-on-one dogfight between Tony Arbelino and Lorenzo Danaporta, who's probably been the two strongest guys in the class so far this season. And it was Arbolino that came out on top by just 400%. The, um, <laughs> yeah. the streak is over. Basically. The streak is over. It's like... Also, I didn't mention this from Lewis in the chat as well, I mentioned it. Manzi put Pratama in hospital on Friday and had to start a loss and he still finished in seventh. Back him up crazy. too, yeah. Very um,
2: crazy.
0: But, yes. Moto3, um, again, Arbolino beating down a porter over the line. Jumpman Cornfile, it ran off the podium in third. I was like, I can, I can. now refuse to call him Jakob. I will only call him Jumpman Cornfile after last year now. That is official. Uh, Gabi Rodrigo, fourth. John McPhee, fifth. Iagora in sixth, ahead of Ramirez. Antonelli, Foggia, Lopez in the top ten. Fidati, Canet, Masaki, Salak, and Garcia rounding off the points there. Uh, championship standings on that one. Uh, Canet has a seven-point lead over a Porter. Antonelli, third, on 83 points. Arbalino fourth, on 76. And Vietti runs off to the top five on 68 Definitely check out the Moto2 race. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a fun one as well. Again, Moto3 was kind of fun. As mentioned from Lewis, Jakuba, cornfield Jumpman himself, probably could have won if he didn't have to take a long lap penalty um, in the middle of the race, which didn't oh, help either. Man.
3: And two things I loved out of this race. One, Honda Team Asia's throwback livery in Moto3, celebrating their 60th oh, yes. anniversary. Beautiful. And they, and they had, of all people, Kunamitsu Takahashi over there, Uh, taking a break from his Super GT duties to go ride one of his old bikes in a demonstration. That was really awesome to see, and I don't know if we talked about this yet, notice Folger's back in Moto2.
0: He did! Folger is back! Great to see as well um, that uh, Volga was filling in again due to injury and whatnot, but uh, great to see him after, after that awful mystery illness that he had um, a couple of years ago which had to basically have him step away from bike racing for an extended hiatus. But uh, great to see Jonas Volga back in there and finishing the race in 17th place. Just a couple of places shy of the points in Moto2. But uh, great to see Jonas Volga back and I hope he continues to make steady progress and so we can see him back on the grid full time again real soon. <laughs> Boys, I think that's a. I think we've got some stuff to talk about regarding Rich Energy as well because. Uh,
3: oh boy. Oh <laughs> boy. Mm. Uh, well, I, I believe. Should we go to our resident Rich Energy correspondent Ryan Eric King on this one? Oh, yeah. Remember, we're leading we this. We're leading foods? this off with uh, Rich Energy instead of Red Bull, thus
2: proving that they are hashtag better than Red Bull.
3: At getting <laughs> sued in court.
2: Yes, uh Rich Energy have lost their case against White Bikes and uh the, I think most interestingly enough Rich Energy have to disclose to White Bikes don't know if the White Bikes will make it public but Rich Energy have to disclose uh, how many cans and how much money they made from uh, the branded cans that featured the now not allowed logo which is All the rich energy they've ever sold. Yeah. And after July 18th, that logo cannot be seen on any cans of rich energy. Yep. And they also have to disclose their, uh, the details of their sponsorship deal with Haas. (laughs) Oh,
0: boy. Oh, Oh, boy. Somehow. That could be a massive can of worms. if It depends on how douchey white bikes want to be. Which, to be fair, if they did release the details, I wouldn't blame them given how much slander and how much their name's been dragged through the mud by a rich energy campaign that ended up being total <laughs> bullshit, basically, in the end. Um, so, I, I, I white bikes, do us all a favour on the internet. Release the footage, Release <laughs> all the details. Drop that William
3: Story P tape. Do white it now. Bikes, <laughs>
0: I I will buy one of your bicycles. Release that footage. I want to see it. Ju- <laughs> I have just
3: released a I horrible see- thought and idea into the universe and I do not apologize. Oh, white bi- white bikes, release oh, the William damn. Story P tape. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Would it be unlike one of those really awful bad camera phones from like 2005 like their Twitter account was done over the last few months? (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) I wonder (laughs) Oh dear, so yeah, rich energy now could be big broke energy very very soon Um, Still has a great beard though but uh, hey, you know I guess uh, being a con man and all that he's got to hide his ridiculous face No surprises there so uh, yeah shout out to that one um, RJ I think you want to do a quick rundown of IMSA and a Super GT before oh we get into goodness the okay stuff?
3: so <laughs> IMSA happened we had the six Hours of the Glen uh, which included among other people in attendance uh, two very good friends of the show one Elizabeth Lapstock of Jalopnik along with her husband Chris were there watching as Yay. well as friend of the show Sarah Connors who again their uh, GoFundMe we'll post a link to it at some point they're still taking donations for what they can for gender affirming surgery which is really awesome and I'm glad they had, they're, they're, uh, they're halfway, halfway there, there. Yeah, yes it's fantastic, fantastic. I love it and guess what else we love Mazda finally won <laughs> Mazda, yes! a team that keeps blowing <laughs> up race after race after race. They finally did it. They took a one-two finish in the six hours of the Glen with Techno and Jarvis. It's awesome.
0: Yes. Delighted to hear about. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we've joked about it a lot. about Mazda seemed to be cursed in him, sir, but I'm glad they finally got that win and lifted the monkey off the backs. And uh now King, who proceed to sing the Mazda song in, in the style of Matt from the old days of Mystery Science Theater F1. Oh with a heck Vella no. Wisp. Mazda, Mazda. <laughs> Mazda, la 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 la. I la, thought la, la, the la, Mazda la, la, song was la, la, just going to be like the,
3: the loud screeching of rotary engines. <laughs> Triangles.
0: That could work. That could work
3: too. That could Super work GT too. happened. <laughs> Kazuya Oshima and Kenshi Yamashita snapped a five and a half year winless drought for Let's Team Lama. Le you may know them as the team that Felix Rosenquist raced for last season. Um, so that was good to see them win at Chang International Circuit in Thailand. Uh, go watch the race, but um, watch it on mute. Um, <sighs> I <laughs> <laughs> all I'll say is this. I had my concerns when Motorsport TV got the exclusive rights to the series, and they have come through. um, They've come through. I I know that commentating motorsport is very hard. I know it's hard to commentate motorsport that isn't necessarily in, in the mainstream. But when you're tripping over Japanese names that have more than two syllables in them named constantly, and when you're constantly making the show about how this compares to Formula One, talking more about Formula One and how terrible it is than actually talking about the race, when you forget the safety car rules after learning them in the first race and losing track of them, (sighs) this
0: is bad! Is very bad.
3: That's that's my rant for today. I mean, if oh, it good. wasn't due to a conflict of interest, I would be begging and screaming and scratching on the door.
0: Get me in the commentary booth. No, you know what, RJ, if you want to send a CV through while you're on the show and send your resume, right. then why not? Right? Right. <laughs> I mean, sure. I'd
3: only have to lose. I'd only have to throw away my existing arrangements today, with sports But that's besides the point.
0: <sighs> right. Totally makes sense.
3: Should we talk about Red Bull?
0: Brave.
3: Yeah, let's talk about about Red Red Bull. Bull. Because some other stuff happened with Red Bull uh, over this past weekend. Now, last weekend, you may have heard me mention that Dan Tickdom and Artem Markalov had a spirited battle for last place at the last Super Formula round at Swartzland Suko. One week later... Dan Ticknam has been dropped from Red Bull and Patricio Ward has been substituted to take his place for the rest of the season at Red Bull Team Eugen and Super Formula on top of what could be additional Formula Mm. 2 commitments uh, later on this season. I can't
2: believe it.
0: (sighs) Very nice. I mean, I don't even really want to talk about Dan Dixon too much because he's not really yeah hassle I rather talk frankly.
2: about his uh he's digital t- counterpart Devin Butler
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love how I love
3: how, in just one week of release, Devin Butler is everybody's least favorite single seater prospect. <laughs>
0: Least favorites and also most favorite <laughs> at the same dude, time. Dude, but
3: think about this. I love it. Because remember about six to eight months ago when we were figuring out what, Red, what Toro Rosso were going to do with their drivers, and we all thought that Red Bull and Dr. Marco were going to move the earth, the mountains, the heaven, the stars above, the mantle inside the earth to try and get Dan Tickdom a super license when he didn't have enough points. And now eight months later, they want nothing to do with the guy.
0: Dropped straight Dropped out of the him. Dropped Gone. him
3: so quickly. And that's the thing, because you remember his incident in Formula 4 at Silverstone, the one that saw him banned from a year and put on probation for another? <laughs> Red Bull were still willing <laughs> to take him on after that. That's a second chance not a lot of drivers get. Right. And he couldn't so maximize weird, it.
2: Weird, weird side note. I think... Like... The person who benefited the most from that incident happening and them having to cut ties with Dan Tickdom was probably Rosanna Tennant. (laughs) Yeah, remember Paul Position P1, we're gonna do like a weekend race vlog with Dan Tickdom that exact weekend? (laughs) Mm.
0: Oh! Hey, shout out to Rosanna because yeah, she she ended up Seeing a lot of my talent and end up getting me a couple of spots on their live show. So, yeah. hi, Rosanna. Thanks. So, You're the best. Um, Dan yeah,
3: has. Dan of, has. Of, uh,
0: that, that, that ain't good.
3: It frustrates me. I don't take any pleasure of kicking young people who are learning their crap while they're down. That's why the Santino thing upset me so much. Because I don't like to kick young people down. But when they're acting like that, you don't have no choice. And with Tictum, it's a case of when he is on his game, he is as good as Lando Norris. He's as good as George Russell. But the reality of the situation is he has had one too many blowups... Uh, over the course of his run with Red Bull Racing. If it's not a problem with the car, it's a problem with everybody else cheating. And when you insult Honda in Japan without two world championships to back you up, you get dropped.
0: Yeah. It, look, you've, you've disrespected your the brand you're representing too many times. You've ran your mouth too many times. You've not had the results to back up your your verbal diarrhea that you've come out with for the last year you'd already think that for a guy that really a lot of teams would immediately blackball for what he did in the first place over in britain you think you'd be on your best behavior but instead you're being mr i'm mad online basically making all these unnecessary comments about the sport the brand your fellow competitor in general, and then when, and then you low-key liking comments that go, that are more favourable towards you on Instagram, just because Red Bull have a knack of treating their drivers like shit. Now, don't get me wrong; there is absolutely hmm. some some validity to that claim, but I have no empathy for TikTok whatsoever. He, he like you. It's a shame because he's a t- like. I'm not disputing he is a talented kid. There is no doubt about that, but. You've pissed off too many people. You've burnt too yeah, many bridges, like, mate.
2: Days like you, you, days before you know, he was fired, this is the exact quote from his from his last race weekend in Super Formula where he said, quote, These cars are very sensitive. You can see that most of the teams are, are inconsistent, but that doesn't explain why I'm a second off my teammate. Not wanting to be arrogant, but on an off day, I might be a tenth or so off. But this is more than that.
0: He's basically implying that the series is out to get him. I just find that... No,
2: he's implying that it's his team's fault why he's slow.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just so blatantly disrespectful. You can't do... You can't say that in public. Like, Robert Kubica got away with that one the other day before going into Austria, and I'm surprised he got away with it because he's so popular. But he he basically implied the same thing, that, oh, me and George ain't got the same car. (laughs) Well, no, he's just better than you, Robert. I'm sorry. But... No, it's 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 a shame. It's, it, like I, like I, like RJ, I take no pleasure in Tictum losing his job because he, we are still talking about a twenty-year-old that you know, and and it sucks because this is a sport where I think we forget a lot of younger people have to give up potential opportunities in life elsewhere they may have to you know curtail their education this is certainly a very common thing you see in bike racing that no one talks about because you can start over there so young there's many a story i know about people that have the can race a bike but they can barely read and write for example so it sucks to see young people thrown away like that sometimes because of the nature of the industry um but Tictums burn too many bridges for me, and it's it's discipline. And you know what? You've you've got you've got to know how to act. Right. You can have all these thoughts in your head, alright? And when you're a highly strung professional racing driver on that level, and things aren't going your way, I can tr- I can totally understand the frustration. But you can't say those things in public. You are going to get eviscerated for it, right. you know. And Tictum should know better, quite frankly. And if this is what it's going to take for him to learn, then so be it. I hope it's not the end for him, but, you know, it's a shame. It's a damn shame. um, That's how I look at it anyway. I mean,
3: the other side of the coin is great opportunity for Patricio Ward. He did struggle in his first race. He said that the Formula 2 race in Austria for him was an ass kicking. Didn't finish any races in the points, but he realizes this is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. What a great opportunity for a, for a guy who, again, in the six eight months ago where we had said that Red Bull was going to move the hearth and the Evans to get Dan Ticknam to F1 by hook or by crook. Would you imagine the Patricio Ward would be in this spot as a fully backed Red Bull Jr. driving in Formula 2 and Super Formula? You wouldn't have imagined it's no. three months ago or three weeks ago. <laughs>
0: Congratulations, Paddo. You're now the new Red Bull reserve guy in case Gazzy gets dropped. <laughs> and of course, hey, that, that's what?
2: that's better than not having a seat at all. And also, knock on effect uh, Sage <laughs> Karim
3: is going to take the seat that was meant for Patricio Award in Toronto this weekend. This, S- next Yay! weekend.
0: Sage! The homeboy is back! Shirts for Sage! Yes. <laughs> The homeboy is back. Another deep m 101 reference there for you. But the homeboy is back in Toronto this weekend. That should be awesome. Right. I think that's most of the major news covered and whatnot. Got it all. Gentlemen, I think it's time for the main event of the evening. It is the Motorsport 101 Redux Top 10 (laughs) All-Time Drivers List. The moment you've been waiting for. We have... 30 of you guys still sitting around watching this right now live so thank you all so much for sticking that out i said we wouldn't go too late we were wrong um i don't (laughs) mind it for this one it's a special occasion precisely (laughs) I, I, i couldn't give a shit quite frankly um so gentle so king the floor is yours now before obviously you get into this Just to clarify one more time, we all sent individual lists to King in private with our top 10 lists. I personally, I've got my top 10 list on my phone right now. I will post it on Twitter after the show goes off the air, if we're not already dead, um, quite frankly. Um, Apparently it's contentious. I could, and and I'm sure RJ will back me up on this. We have no idea. What this list is, King is the only man who knows what the consensus top ten is, and apparently it's spicy. So you're gonna get our reactions to this live as King tells us. So, so, so this is where we
3: put up the clickbait thumbnail and the uh, the title here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I'm
3: just,
2: I was just gasping, <laughs> just like you'd never believe what our top ten all time Grand Prix drivers strong were. <laughs> react.
0: <laughs> <Strung>. <laughs> it's going to be on every reaction channel on YouTube by tomorrow evening. Right, so with that in, with that being said, King, the floor is yours, sir.
2: Okay, so I, I was thinking we'd have honorable mentions, but I forgot how the math would work out. So we just end up, we're going to start with 10, but there isn't a consensus number 10 because... Each of us have three different drivers at number 10, so there's a three-way tie for the 10th spot.
0: So, really, technically, it's a top 12. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay. So, I-, I know who my number 10 pick was, but... okay. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll read
2: out the list. So, Dre picked uh, Jack Brabham as his number 10. Uh, RJ picked Fernando Alonso as his 10.
0: I'm and fucking I- shocked! <laughs> 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 and I
2: picked Rudolph Caracciola as my 10.
0: Oh, King went old school. Of course he did. <laughs> we were entirely That's on brand That's surprise. Um, so,
2: do, do we argue it out to see who actually is our number? Like, we only have one number 10. I will try to m- I think we should. Yeah. Have. Um,. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I will try to make my point for Alonzo the totality of his achievements breaking into Formula 1 as a teenager and wrestling that minority around sits all time on the Formula 1 all time wins list, one of only a handful of drivers to mass 300 starts, the back to back world titles, the close calls in 07 10 and 12 um, definitely one of the guys who's regarded as the man who got the most out of subpar equipment, of course he made Formula 1 box office in Spain where it was just a curiosity
0: beforehand. oh! He also burned McLaren down to the ground after he went back to 2014. Take the,
3: like, take the good with the bad. Take the good with the bad. <laughs> take
0: the good with That's the bad. quite the bad, RJ. Like, I went for Brabham. Honestly, I had a hard time. I'm not going to lie to you. Alonso was an honourable mention to potentially keep in the 10 spot compared to the last time I did this list. Um. Or I had Alonso at 10, and I had Hamilton as literally an honourable mention. Spoiler alert, he's a bit higher than that this time. <laughs> um, things have changed
2: in the last couple of years.
0: Just a tad. The, like, a lot's changed in five years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I went for Brabham. I mean, I, like I, me personally, I went through this list. I'm a numbers and a stats guy first and foremost, but I also took into account intangibles, things you can't really measure. And Brabham... And the the power of the brand, the power of winning under his own team, the fact he was one of the I think the only F1 driver ever to win a Grand Prix in three different decades, as well '60s, '70s, and '80s, um, and what he's done for the brand before Crowdfunders ran it into the ground. Um, I think overall, I would personally would go with, with Brabham um, for his influence in Australia, his the Brabham brand and its history and place in F1 history and law and yeah, again, free world championships certainly helps Um, so, that's my argument on that one Um, King, we've heard your argument 15 times over uh, about the pre-F1 era (laughs) but but, but fill them in anyway because you know, might as well for the new boys here (laughs) yeah, so,
2: so Krachel is the only person pre-F1 that I that I put on my list, mainly because I consider him to be the best from that era. He won three European championships. Of the 26 championship Grand Prix he participated in, he won eleven. Like, pretty yeah. two away from half the races that he won. Uh he was untouchable in his period to the point where uh He still holds a record for most German Grand Prix victories where he has six wins while Schumacher and Hamilton are still at four. Uh, There's very few other things he could say. He also, you know, broke the land speed record in a highly modified Grand Prix car. He was the best of his age in an age that people overlook. And that's a very good point. Though, though, you know, (laughs) uh,
3: my point to this would be you know, Caracciola's is not the name most commonly associated with that with that pre-war era. That was that was Tazio you Nuvolari. Know, Your argument that Caracciola being the superior driver to New- Nuvolari is more the household name from that era. Well,
2: you yeah, know, Nuvolari only won one European Championship, and he never even came second ever.
0: <laughs> Interesting. I've put it to the to the chat. Um. I'm seeing Brabham's name pop up the most here. I've decided for the first time this is going to be a democracy. This um, is going to be a democracy. <laughs> Brabham, 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 Brabham. A couple of votes for Alonzo. Brabham. A close. Cu- it's close. I'm going to give it to Brabham on this one. i no, looking at the chat. I have no
3: problems with that. Three time world champion, won with the constructors and his own championship, and did a lot for Yep Ra- Again, the Brabham name carried all the way into the early 90s and was winning all the way to the 80s.
0: True that? Oh, I forgot to, to mention, 50s, 60s, 70s was the, was the decades that Brabham won Grand Prix. Apologies for my on that one. So, but uh, yes, Brabham uh, gets the 10 spot. Uh, Though,
2: fun fact about our three. All three have at least attempted to qualify for the Indianapolis 500.
0: Neat. Didn't know that one. <laughs> Not, familiar this,
2: <laughs> Not familiar <laughs> with this event.
0: Not familiar with this event. It's in character,
3: <laughs> folks.
0: <laughs> never. Ne- never happened. So king, number nine.
2: Number nine. We actually had very close to the same number nine across the board. Uh, he was 9 on your list 9 on RJ's list And 8th on my list Jackie Stewart
0: Wow So we, 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 that's actually I'm actually quite surprised we all had very similar spots On that one um, So Jackie Stewart, 3 time world champion Former all time wins leader Only took part in 99 Grand Prix I believe he had 27 F1 wins I want to yes, say Yes, by the time he retired
3: he took the lead From Jim Clark um, he was by mm-hmm. far and away the best driver of that era. And one other, and two of the things to note before he hit his prime with Matra and Tyrrell, he was carrying BRM to heights unforeseen. He had dominant wins, won by two laps in Spain in sixty, I believe it was sixty-nine, where he won by uh, by two laps in Spain. Won the, the Nurburgring nice. by four mi- minutes, yes, in sixty-eight. Um, and of course, if not for an oil leak, he would have won. The Indianapolis 500 on a debut year—the year that Graham Hill happened to win it and spark his triple crown bid.
0: Right, um, but again, like the intangibles is what probably pushed Stuart up a little bit higher than me. He's a member of Mount Nivel on this podcast for a reason. Um, uh, another milestone episode number seventy-five for us back in the back in the day. But like he his influence when it comes to safety and 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 driver safety and basically pushing his entire career and obviously after his career as well after he retired because he was sick and tired of burying his 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 colleagues and friends um his influence on the sport becoming safer uh and to what we know it today it all started really off the back of jackie stewart and, and his efforts to push that throughout his career and obviously after his career as well so for me i personally had him in the nine spot I was very tempted to put him even higher up than that in the eighth spot. It it was very close between the guy I had nine and eight personally. Um, um, But for me, Stewart in the ninth spot. And again, ninth overall, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. We were all pretty much on the same wavelength on that one anyway. So, yeah. Uh, Jackie Stewart in the ninth spot, everybody.
2: Yeah. Uh, Next on the list, similar. Uh, But you could tell that some people cared about this driver more than others. He was Mm. uh, 7th on Dre's list, 8th on RJ's list, and ninth on mine, Nikki Lauda.
0: Nikki Lauda. Now, that's the thing. We've got to be very careful on this one, because sadly, (laughs) man has just died. And as we all know, death seems to bring out the more positive tributes when it comes to people. The more maybe emotional side of things when it comes to drivers, um, and of course, very sadly we lost Nicky only a couple of months ago now, and oh boy, but still a three-time world champion, a guy that you know came back from the most probably horrifying crash you've ever one of the most horrifying crashes ever seen in F one, um, at a time when he was in one of the most famous title fights ever as well, but let's not forget, three-time world champion. One of the first drivers... I've always admired Lauda, and I put him higher than I normally would for, on this list, looking back, because I've always respected the fact that Nicky Lauda was one of the first real F1 drivers he knew his worth. And, you know, was one of the first real big negotiators. That negotiated the big contracts for himself um, and, 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 and whatnot. And, he, and especially when he came to realising just how much risk and danger there is in driving these cars. And I've always respected Nicky for that, even though he's the first guy to bring up the risk percentages, as anyone that's seen Rush will attest. <laughs> um, you know, which, again, even Nicky himself said was about 90% accurate. So, hey, if I'm, if I'm bad at 90, I don't think that's bad at all, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, Nicky Lauda, a remarkable driver, one of the real heroic figures of F1. Um, obviously three-time world champion, another guy in the 20-plus win And hey, keep in mind, he um, took
3: years off of hmm. his career. He retired in 79, came back in 82. So you have to feel like maybe if he hadn't stepped away for those two years, how many more wins would he have had? Would he have had a fourth championship? Would he have had a fifth title if not for that crash at the Nürburgring? How much greater could his legacy be? Again, he won his third title in in 84 when alan Pros was the up-and-coming can't-miss prospect of the future and that title was decided by half a point it was the second most he... incredible comeback of his career
0: <laughs> and he beat <laughs> adam frost in the same car yeah. very impressive very very impressive a, a a transcendent talent a a prime negotiator a brilliant driver to watch and one of the Again, one of the real iconic figures of this sport. Nicky Lauda. Rest easy, buddy. We miss you so bad down here. We really do. Um, again, as King mentioned, he was seventh on my list, personally. Um, um, I actually had him higher than everybody else did, funnily enough, yeah. which is interesting. Which is interesting, which I have a feeling that's going to come up again later. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how we go on this one. So, King, number seven next. Yep.
2: Seven. So, seven was... A bit over the place. So, seven mm. was eighth on your list, Dre, third oh. on RJ's list, Ooh. and seventh on my list, Jim
0: Clark. <laughs> oh, God, we're, we're gonna die! We're gonna die, <laughs> we're gonna die today. <laughs> we had so Clark seven, and, and I had Clark the lowest, I had Clark at eight. Oh dear. This may may need some explaining. Um, Oh boy. Um, (laughs) Shall I explain first? Um, Yes,
2: I'll run down the accolades after you try to defend yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like when Henry in the the chat immediately goes, Is Zoe here? Uh, it's, <laughs> wait for the text like, Kev. No, it's,
2: it's, it's not only you have to defend yourself against so you have to defend yourself against the record books
0: Kev says get the pitchforks <laughs> get um, the
2: pitchforks
0: it's, it's good. oh boy um, wait till they find out how I put it sick because I may have leaked that on twitter last night uh, more on that <laughs> later now look Clark is probably by all accounts the greatest driver of his era statistically he's outrageous probably at, by that point in time only Fangio would have a greater win ratio and magnum opus when it came to the sport By then. no no
2: not, not even at that time just mm. at that time and still all time he is third in terms of win rate
0: yeah again it helps that they weren't racing as much back then but even so no like Clark was a monster by all accounts the problem is he like I kind of in my head mentally took a couple of points off the table for guys whose careers ended posthumously. Remember this; it becomes important later. <laughs> um, but when you don't have a full career, it's hard to scale where you should be. It's hard because, but you know, even
2: though in his shortened career, he has the same amount of Grand Prix victories as Nicky Lauda.
0: King, you had him one spot higher than me. Like, I mean, Jesus, it's, it's not like a, you were clearly thinking in a similar way that I was. You, you don't think you're exonerated from this. Also, I, I'm I not have, saying
2: I, that he's the greatest of all time. I'm just trying to make a case for it.
0: Um, yeah, Zoe, uh, we, we have the Hamilton verdict in, by the way via text message he says and I quote don't worry I gave King a list I did in five minutes Clark goes higher up in racing in general making it only F1 makes it harder because yeah it's true Clark had a bigger influence than just F1 as well but sadly this is an F1 only list Um, but that was the logic as to why I put Clark it's not because I don't think he was brilliant he absolutely was if he had a fully fleshed out career he'd probably be in the top five Deep in the top five, I reckon. But he died early. It's hard to, to scale him up compared to other people, especially given, minor spoiler, there are two modern-day drivers on this list whose careers are yet fully f- established as well. I suspect RJ putting him third has probably given him the benefit of the doubt. In I, will, to Clark I anyway. will
3: put it to you this way. When Jim Clark was with us and before his career came to an end, Nobody was a more dominant force in the sport. Yeah, you had Jackie Stewart in the dawn of his amazing career. You had Graham Hill and John Surtees and Dan Gurney. He had had great competition. But Jim Clark was the man. You consider that he scored Mm. the most amount of championship points you could in a season Twice. Only Alberto Ascari mm. did that once. he led 71 percent of the possible laps you could lead in 1963. He still has the most record for the most grand slams win, pole position, fastest lap led every lap. Look at his 19 19- yeah, and when he when he died he was the all-time wins leader. <laughs> yes he had just taken it off and found you in '68 and tell you this. You know, there was talk that before he passed away, he would have retired early after 68, putting him in the record of three time world champions, which it would only put him in exclusive category at that point in time with him and with him and Fangio at that point, because Brabham yep. hadn't won his third just yet.
0: Yep. So I'm not dead. That's, <laughs> good. Not dead. That's good news. Like I said, Clark was eighth on my list. He was seventh on Kings. I think RJ gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, just just just
2: so we know, yes, uh, Zoe did have Clark seventh. Uh,
0: Oh, really? Okay.
2: And also, Zoe did have Alonzo tenth.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm not as big a fan of Alonso, but I can understand if somebody put him in their top ten.
2: So I should I, just I, mention: uh, her eighth and ninth don't appear in our list at all. Uh, she eighth she had Mika Hakkinen, and ninth she had Graham. I, I would had have
3: him. had no problem with either one of those entries, to be honest.
0: I think Hakkinen's a bit a bit too high, but Graham Hill, I, I've always said, is the most underappreciated F1 driver ever. I would argue. So if you had Graham Hill in your top ten, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> Um, at all, so um, I think Hacken is a little, a little high, but Graham Hill, I can certainly get behind. That's absolutely a valid shout um, on that one. I'm, al- I'm also seeing some of the, the the chat comments here already. It's quite funny. I have clock seventh two. Someone tell Dre's family a hit's been put out on him. Um, <laughs> that's from Vic. Um, uh, that's oddly calm. Is Zoe okay? Um, <laughs> Um, Seb or Senna at 6 question mark um, I still maintain Dre is wrong but he does make good points that's all I'd like to hear Jim thank you So, um,
2: do you think it's... it's time to move on to the next one no, let's get into number he 6 because one of number the comments six. is very accurate because oh, no. 5 and 6 is a tie oh no between 4 time Formula 1 world champion Sebastian no. Vettel and three-time Formula One world champion Ayrton Senna.
0: Oh fuck no! Oh no! This is the worst possible
2: scenario. <laughs> oh boy. So here hows Here is how how it breaks down. When it comes to Sebastian Vettel, uh, Dre had him fifth. R.J. had him seventh. I had him fourth.
0: Wow. When Wait. It comes- so, s- stop. Stop right there. <laughs> Before anyone comes after me <laughs> King had him even higher than I did Noted Sebastian No Metal one could supporters say shit Ryan King here? <laughs> and the, 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 the chat has exploded <laughs> And wait, 101 wait. is cancelled
2: <laughs> And Senna Senna Both me and Ray Had him sixth on our list RJ had him fourth
0: <laughs> Oh my so, I, I, we, so, so, so let me get this straight. We now have to sit down and decide between us who has the five spot between yep. Sebastian Vettel and Ayrton Senna. Yes, it's it's been nice knowing you, gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, really, it's been it's been a fun time. <laughs> Episode two hundred is clearly going to be our last. <laughs> like, it, was,
2: it was so fun while it lasted. Bye, <laughs> y'all. You had a... I'll remember you all in therapy. <laughs>
0: Oh, Zoe has t- is like like do, do we have Zoe break the tie cuz she literally just texted me saying I had Vettel fifth and Senna sixth tiebreaker sorted <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's
3: a cop out uh, that's man. a <laughs> let's argue the case for both shall we i'll tell you my case yes. for sebastian vettel um sebastian vettel of course Four World Championships, nothing to scoff at. Two dominant championship victories, including nine wins in a row to end the 2013 season when Vettel was at his peak. But he also won close ones in 2010 and 2012. And you could argue that his dominance over the sport with Red Bull goes all the way back to the second half of 2009. Because if he, if GP Mm. had not gotten that hot start... Vettel probably would have overhauled them to become world champion in 09. That's fantastic. And I would say fair, as well that, you know, fair. yeah, he, he hasn't, he's of course is still chasing that fifth title, but you've seen him spurts in 15, 17 and 18, you, you know, he still has the motivation to match Prost and Hamilton and get closer to his idol, Michael Schumacher. That would be my case for, uh, for Michael, for, uh, Sebastian Vettel, in my opinion, we're talking Ayrton Senna. Yes, we're talking about perhaps the greatest F1 folk hero of all time. 41 victories by the time he passed away, second all time uh in Formula 1. Most career pole positions, one of only a handful of men who's won 3 world championships. He is the driver who stood out as by far the most explosive talent. Of his generation he was a winner in all of his in nine straight full seasons from 85 to 1993 and think about this you know you we talk about his great rivalry the pros the championships of 88 90 and 91 but i would make a case that before his untimely death senna was getting better because think about all of his signature drives 91 in Brazil when he was 31 92 at Monaco when he was 32 years old 93 at Donington when he was 33 and basically driving on a race to race deal you know there's a chance to be made that if not for his untimely death and that's why he's so revered so highly is because they felt like his best was still yet to come
2: but then you get to speculative like category, like speculative yeah, where it's it like you thinking about What he could have done, not what he actually has done. And the totality of his work is still mightily impressive. Yeah, it's still very impressive. Very, very impressive.
0: Um, I mean, let's get to the chase. You know know which way I'm going to swing on this one. We know which way RJ swung on it. He went towards that, and I'm going the other way. Sebastian Vettel is the modern-day antithesis of what we hate about F1 now, and that's Hamilton's dominance. It all started with Sebastian, whether it be fairly or unfairly, how he was treated during those times. Brackets. Mostly unfairly, if you ask me. But he is... I, I, I think he's one of the fastest drivers we've ever seen. I think he is... I think for a good And I'd say for a good six years from 2008, when he had that breakthrough win for Toro Rosso in Italy, all the way through till 2013, he was on track to have a a career greater than anyone's the sport's ever seen, quite frankly. Um, You know it's bad when you're single-handedly getting blamed for quote-unquote killing the sport because of how good he was. And yeah, he's had a couple of blips since. 2014, we can't ignore with Daniel Ricciardo and getting used to to the V6 hybrids, although I could argue he atoned for those sins later on with brilliant seasons in 2015 and 2017 uh, for Ferrari um, before some bad luck and generally an uncompetitive Ferrari in the case of 15 got in the way. Um... He's not having a particularly great year this year, but then again, not many people in red are at the moment, <laughs> to be honest. Um, last year, I think, was the first really super questionable season that Sebastian's had. Um, Ayrton... Look, Ayrton is such a polarising guy in the sense of... Uh, like I said before, it's like how I came to my list is... is Intangibles are a factor. And when it comes to intangibles, Ayrton Senna is off the goddamn scale in terms of how you perceive it. Because, again, he died young, relatively young at 94. He died in his prime. Um, He probably would have won at least one more world title with Williams had he stuck it out there for a little bit longer, I'd argue. And a lot of it is folklore and the stuff we look up in the dictionary when we look at what a racing driver is. Ayrton fits that modern day mould of a racing driver that fans love about this sport. And that's precisely why I think he's overrated slightly. Because there's a lot of people who, if you ask, swear he's the greatest thing to happen to F1 since sliced bread. Because he taps into that emotional side we have as sports fans a lot more than Sebastian's ever done. As I said, I'm a numbers guy. I don't think you can put Senna above Sebastian on any factor besides what could have been. Or entertainment value, and that's subjective, So, frankly.
2: running down the numbers, obviously, Vettel has won championship over Senna. Uh, in terms of, like, if we try to even it out and make it based on just percentage of podium finishes, uh, it's actually very close where Sebastian is just above 50% for finishing on the podium and Senna is just barely under, actually on the all-time list, they're they're 8th and ninth on the all-time percentage list for podium finishes. Uh, I think it's the other way around in terms of uh, percentage race wins Mm. where it's like on a, a lot of the just being consistently good over the course of your entire career Vettel's just better, but Senna's career is a lot more He is more of a sporting it's like, icon. More than
3: yeah, more, his more well, than stats. He's iconic. He is still remembered probably as the great second greatest not, Brazilian sportsman behind Pele,
2: for crying out loud. So besides, like, the peak Vettel seasons, what I mean in terms of highlights, like, in terms of Wins like in terms of records within a, the period of a single season, Senna has like most of them.
0: You know what? It's our two hundredth show. I am going to do something truly altruistic here. I am going to concede my position on this one. No, no, I take,
2: okay. I take, I take, I take Vettel fifth over. I take Vettel fifth over Senna. I am sorry. Really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Because that's the thing. It, I, I was going to take one for the team and flip it, but. Nope.
2: I, I, I don't think I I really wouldn't be able to concede that like comfortably. I've,
0: I had to make my own you know list. What? I mean, honestly, I'm not I'm not I'm not
3: too ticked off either way.
0: <laughs> you know what? Two to one majority. It goes to Sebastian. Sebastian gets fifth. Ayrton Senna sixth. The majority rules. Um, it's it's you know a lot of it is political. A lot of it is what it could be, you know, you know versus it's the it's the numbers guy versus the entertainment guy and you know the guy that tapped into people's hearts as, as I think more as a driver. I like to think with this a little bit more than I think with that personally. But I get it. It's it's, it's very very close. This is going to this is the sort of thing that will split fans completely down the middle and that's fun, quite frankly. So Yeah, we're gonna have Sebastian fifth and and center sixth on this occasion, but again, if you have it the other way around, blame King. He had King. He had in the first place anyway.
2: Now. Don't fourth. you? You can't blame me for the next one because fourth, only one person here voted him to be fourth.
0: <laughs> <And> I see, <laughs> and that and I don't think that person was me. So it was you. Dre oh. had him
2: fourth. Me and RJ had him fifth. Alan
0: Prost. You guys shitting on Prost? Uh, how dare we had you? we him above Santa. <laughs> I want to make a point here that he
3: doubled the all-time wins record that he had took from Jackie yep. Stewart by the end of his career.
2: Yeah, he, he doubled the all-time wins record. He got within, well, yeah, he doubled the all-time wins record. He got within one championship away of, you know, uh, Juan Manuel Fancia with at the time, people thought it was a tremendous achievement. He
3: had 10 consecutive winning seasons from 81 to 90.
0: Yeah, there was, like, the second half of his career, he only dropped out of the top two of the championship twice, between his final year in 93 and then going back to 83. He had a 10-year run where he was arguably the pound-for-pound king. You know? Um, Like, Prost, I think... Is like I think Prost was a thinking man's driver, and mm. I have great respect for that, especially in a sport where again we think with this, and more often with down there, <laughs> as opposed to with this. <laughs> and Adam Prost was was Mister Political. He was he was the professor. He was a guy that would get the calculator out mid race and work out what you know. You don't need to push and win the Grand Prix every single time to win a championship. But he won a lot
2: of um, Grand Prixs. Well, let's not forget that. fifty-one of them. He's yeah, 51, fifty-one, and just like besides winning a lot, he finished on the podium a lot. And I think if I could pull that list back up again for podium percentages, is ridiculously high. Actually, where is it? He is actually fifth. Like he's fifth on the all-time podium uh, podium percentage list. Uh, that's if you have a minimum of. 50 race entries. If he just took out everyone with less than, like, 50, he would be second... No, he would be... He'd be third on the list behind Fangio and Hamilton.
0: And another thing, Prost pretty much ran the gauntlet when it came to having ridiculously good teammates, and he beat them all at least at one point or another. Like, he has beaten, at some point, just about every other major name in the top 15 list at some point in his career, in the same machinery. Right. Prost is a monster. Like-
2: and al- alongside with his four world championships, he's finished second in the championship four times as well. Right, and think about this. Some of them could
3: have been flipped. He only lost 83 by two points to PK, by a half a point to, to, to Lauda in 84. And while he's classified mm. second with 87 points, if all results counted in 88, that's Prost's title and not Senna's.
2: The
0: infamous drop
2: rule So (laughs) literally On technicalities He could have been a 7 time World champion
0: It wouldn't have taken very much at all Um, There's a very valid case You could have Prost even higher than this But the problem is the top 3 guys Above him which I think Who I think the top 3 is going to be Are monsters. They all have valid claims, I think, to be the number one we've ever seen. Based on our
2: votes, based on our voting, they all have very valid claims.
0: If it's the three I think it is, then yeah, I think so too. (laughs) But uh, Alan Prost, again, I got a Zoe text, you all underscored Prost. (laughs) Well, I underscored him the least, so ha. Um, (laughs) 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 Just,
2: Just so everyone knows. Zoe had pros second. And that's a fair fair, fair enough. That is very fair.
0: Fair, in, fair enough. So, so, shout out to Colton Dango, who gave us a 79p donation. Thank you very much, sir. Very much very appreciated. Much
2: appreciated.
0: <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thank you. So, top three. Oh, this is that's... where things are going to get interesting.
2: The top three, I'm just going to read out who the top three are. And we'll talk about the top three then I'll reveal where everyone voted on the top three, and where they fell on the consensus list. Right. So the top three in no particular order are Lewis Hamilton,
0: mm-hmm. Juan
2: Manuel Fangio, and Michael mm-hmm. Schumacher.
0: No real surprises there. Thank God. Oh, I was worried for a second <laughs> there that someone might have snuck in. Um... Yeah, I think these I think if they if Mountain Rushmore only had three heads, I think this is the free where it would be going with. Now, for me, Lewis Hamilton is the modern day Kingpin of Formula One. He he has now I'd argue the most unbeatable car and driver combination we've ever seen in this sport. Maybe even more than Schumacher at Ferrari. Because, don't get me wrong, Schumacher and Ferrari had a couple of seasons where they were busted, but nothing like this. Where he, he is literally destroying everybody, even people in the same car on occasions. Like, Valtteri got absolutely curb stomped by him last season. No, no, don't get me wrong, that wasn't all entirely Valtteri's fault. But, Hamilton is probably going to break every major record in the book by the time it's all said and done if this car holds out to the end of the next set of regulations which is the end of next season and even then I think Merckx have got so much money and so many resources I don't think they're going to screw up enough even after a regulation change to take them off the top it will take a monumental shift for that to happen um, Hamilton 70 plus wins 86 pole positions I mean I mean He's probably going to have world title number six at the end of this year. There's a valid case you can make for him being number one now. And I won't tell you just yet where I had Hamilton personally, but that's like... He, he he's ridiculous. He he's a modern day monster, and he is what I think everybody wants their leading driver in F one to be. Mm-hmm. If he didn't put his foot in his mouth, so much. right. But hey, that's a, but that's
3: gonna... but that's also the thing as well because Lewis Hamilton is the dominant champion of the social media age. For better or worse, he is engaged in all of that stuff. He is he has more crossover appeal than anybody else, and should I add, he is a driver who represents a popular that is not often represented at this level of motorsport in any variety. He is bot's office. He is absolutely and he is an icon that transcends the numbers, and his numbers are incredible. I know he inherited a very good situation to start his career, but in 13 mm-hmm. seasons, he has won at least one race in all of them. And keep in mind, some of those weren't gimmies. Started 2009 on bad terms. Only got the one win in Mercedes when he hit the control out the lead in his career.
0: Indeed. Um...
3: And he's had good teammates too. Alonso, Button among them, Rosberg. Button, yes,
0: Rosberg. Guys, that, that all three of those guys are, you know, top fifteen to twenty-five. I'd say at worst. You know, he's had a good run of teammates as well. Um, what about what about Schumacher?
2: Schumacher. What what has been said about Schumacher? Schumacher. Put, yeah, he is the statistical peak. There's in terms of. Well, he's the statistical peak for now, I should say, and has been for over a decade. He broke Formula One. I can remember getting into the sport and just...
3: Wishing anybody else would win because that's how good he was. Five consecutive world championships with Ferrari after winning two with Benetton. But the thing was, with that Ferrari dynasty, he had to come in and he had helped to change the culture of a team that had completely lost his way. And he was the architect of a dynasty. He had 15 consecutive winning seasons, getting 91 victories. And the way he did it was so astounding. He took... 300-kilometer Formula 1 races and broke them down into three or four 75 to 100-kilometer super sprints on low fuel, and he just buried the field into dust.
0: As RJ said, he broke Formula 1. I've always argued this. If you wanted to create a Frankenstein's monster of what an F1 driver would look like, it would probably end up looking something like Michael
3: Schoen. Nobody had his fitness at uh, the time that he came in. No- Nobody had his dedication. Remember all the stories he- about him taking 10, 12-hour workdays at the Ferrari Test Track in Fiorano when you could do unlimited testing because that's the kind of dedication that he had.
0: <laughs> he was the blueprint of what Formula 1 is now. When it comes to driver ability... When it, becomes, when it comes to maximizing resources, again, from a fitness standpoint to a work rate standpoint to a dedication standpoint. This was still in the era when he was coming through, when guys like Mansell would do a couple of test laps and then be off to the golf course by, by three o'clock. And we had Schumacher that was doing workouts and weights and being ridiculously fit. The way he broke down these massive races into qualifying sessions. Outrageous raw speed, maybe the best we've ever seen in that department. Quite frankly, ruthless aggression, which hey, ultimately cost him on a couple of occasions. Yeah, that's but the big point. How much do trying- you
3: deduct for those incidents in Adelaide in '94, in uh, in Ares in '97? How much do you weight that against Senna's incidents, like in Japan in
0: 1990? Right, it's. Michael Schumacher, like for me, was the god of Formula One when I first started watching. And I started back in 99. Um, You can probably guess where I put him, but uh, (laughs) you'll find out very shortly where that was. But for me, he is the modern day blueprint of the Formula One we know today. And let's not forget, he had a major role in what the Mercedes Empire would now become. With Hamilton. Um, it's easy to forget the influence that Schumacher had on Ross Braun and had on that team and, and, and what turned them into the dominant winners we are today. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that, but Schumacher absolutely had a role in that too. He was a incredible influence on the sport. He was the one of the most transcendent stars that I think Formula 1 has ever had. He's in the top two or three where that's concerned.
3: And that come back in 2010 to 2012. I know he didn't win a race, but nobody's counting Jordan's Wizards tenure against him as the greatest basketball player no. of all time,
0: right? <laughs> no. no. Um, we, we will always have that qualifying lap at Monaco in 2012. A, li- a bit more proof that the guy still had a bit of genius in him left. I'll hold on to that one for a while. Keep fighting, Michael. We miss you. But uh, where do we where do we rank Fangio on this one?
2: <laughs> oh, it's it's hard to say, but statistically, Fangio's still mightily impressive. Like obviously, due to how the F one was formatted back then, most races were non championship races, so his Terms In terms of, you know, wins doesn't look as impressive, but on a he race won, by... He,
0: he won nearly half the Grand Prix he ever entered.
2: Yeah, he won half the Grand Prix. He won 60% of the Grand Prix he's ever entered.
3: 40%. 40% in,
2: 46% well, no, you, in
3: championship yeah, standings yeah.
2: alone. Highest percentage of pole
3: positions. Front row starts. And all this was in his 40s. Again, we just talked about Schumacher having that one pole lap in his 40s. Alfa well, Romeo was killing
2: it at this time. Pretty much, his tenure in F one was at the end of his career,
0: and he was the first real car hopper that we saw travel to car to car and prove he could win in anything. Essentially, his yep. talent was was transcendent of cars at the time. You put him in anything, he's going to win in it. He knew he, he had he had the nouse of when to jump over at the right time. He
2: never finished lower than second. In the championship, in a full
3: season in which he competed, throw out a fifty-eight. Yep. That was his swan song year For fifth. And keep in mind, he skipped a year in fifty-two due to do internal politics because those are some of those early years in Formula One were not run to Formula One regulations, and that's how he ended up missing fifty-two. But he came back, won with Mercedes, won with Ferrari, won with Maserati, won with Alfa Romeo. That's four different teams, and for nearly half a century, he was the only man. At five championships Oof,
0: The problem with Fangio Most of us who was able to see him at his best Are now probably dead And that's <laughs> well, the sad reality <laughs> most, most
2: Most people didn't get to see him Because this was before Grand Prix Racing was on TV yeah. You had to go yeah. to the races
0: in person And that's the problem Like it's hard to talk about a guy That was in his peak 60 years ago um, 70 years ago I'd actually argue now quite frankly So that's the question mark with fans. But right. to be but honest, you
2: can make the same case with Prost and Senator too.
0: True. That is also Clark, true. Stuart, it depends yeah. on how old yeah. you are. We I mean, we are a bunch of 20-somethings doing this podcast. A lot of us that are commenting are older than that. You know, you be the judge. Speaking of which, King, I think it's time. Uh, what's the, what's the, the numbers?
2: <laughs> okay, so third. Uh, he was second on your list, Ray, sixth on RJ's, and wow. number, and number one on mine, Juan Manuel Fangio.
0: Get RJ up out of the paint. <laughs> sixth?
2: <sighs> so, back, just, to, just to scroll back to early in the episode, third on RJ's list was Jim Clark.
0: You had Clark three spots higher than Fangio. I
3: did. I did. Clark's level of competition was higher. Fangio was clear-cut in a way the most dominant driver of his era. So was Jim Clark against better competition with more prepared teams. That's my justification. But I had no problem
2: having Juan Manuel Fangio in anybody's top three, by far. mm, I I don't know if I'd say more prepared teams, because Clark's era was you know the beginning of the era of the you know the the Grasse days with the British privateer teams, while Fangio raced in you know the last era of the big factory manufacturer teams that we would see until the '90s, and, and Schumacher bringing the factory. Uh, that's back. a fair
0: point. Good good news, guys. Resi Resi's canceling his patron upon hearing <laughs> this voice. <laughs> RJ's literally taking food off the table. Congrats, RJ! <laughs> <laughs> Fangio's... Like, Jesus, wow. Okay. Um, the eagle Eye amongst you may have noticed, the, the, and especially if you're a long-time listener, Fangio used to be my number one. I have since changed my pick. You'll find out why in a minute. Carry on, Okay. Okay.
2: There, there are two left on the board. So once I say who number two is... Everyone will know who number one is. Second, uh, he was third on Dre's list, third on my list, and only second on RJ's list, Lewis Hamilton.
0: Wait, I'm now on a podcast We've just, just declared Lewis Hamilton as the second best driver ever. This burns. <laughs> hey, Oops. there
2: are only two spots left, Dre. <laughs> How would you have felt it if he was number one?
0: I'd have killed everyone in their sleep. Everyone. Okay. But, no, and that's, just that's as, a, no, but yeah, go on.
2: As a note for the one, Dre had Fangio second.
0: Which means...
2: Yes. First on RJ's list. First on Trey's list. Second on mine, because I had Fangio number one. Michael Schumacher.
0: Yes, kids. I changed my mind. Um, and the kicker was, and it's for a simple reason... I got to watch Schumacher race, and that emotional—that's very biased. <laughs> it is, it is. I, 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 I don't care who knows it. I'm a '90s kid. It's hard for me to lean away the to to, to 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 lean away from the guy that got me into the sport in the first place. And Michael, like again, Fangio is a phenomenal. It's fucking a Mercedes one, two, three. Race. Like, he was a phenomenal driver, and he did it in an era where one crash very well could have been your last, quite frankly. And, you know, it's hard to ever put it on the right scale, but for me, Schumacher is is the guy that it boils down to as, I think, the modern-day influencer of Formula 1 that we know and love today. That was why I had Schumacher number one on my list. Uh,
3: i had him on uh, number one for all the same reasons he was the statistically the most dominant driver of his era he was the most dedicated driver of his era he he turned ferrari into the winning dynasty that they always envisioned themselves and have still had trouble replicating since he stopped racing for them and you always wonder if not for the flip of few coins could he have had more success and he already has unprecedented success up to this point.
0: When the sport actively goes out of its way to make sure you don't win anymore, I think it's fair to say you could very well be the greatest try we've ever seen. And that, for me, is why I think Schumacher is the greatest. King, you're the only guy that still stands on the Fangio train. God bless you. There's a bit more leg room in that in that in that train of yours. Yeah, not a bad case you can make at all. Like, there's. Remember, I used to be right along here with you. It's <laughs> but, like you know, I'm,
2: wondering, I'm wondering how, how it's going to be when uh, Lewis comes along and derails this train. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be fair, like like Lewis said as well, Michael was his number one as well, and I'm seeing some of the comments as well. Um, he's the reason I feel like again Lewis in the, in the chat I'm unashamedly biased when it comes to MSC he's the reason I fell in love with F1 period
2: it's like I, I I love Schumacher but I just love Fangio a little bit more and that's fair
0: and that's and that's absolutely fine that's absolutely valid in case you didn't see it Zoe just texts me her full list from 10 to 1 Alonso Graham Hill Hakkinen, Clark Senna Vettel 5 Hamilton 4 Schumacher 3 whoa yeah <laughs> Schumacher three behind Prost and Fangio at one. I think King had a heart attack just just, just listening to that part of the list. Yeah.
2: Just just listening to it. Because I, I she sent me the list like uh I think a couple of Did we of get a list ago. from Johnson? Yeah.
0: No oh, man. Johnson didn't Damn. send the list. Damn Bummer. Um but uh I mean that is our list. Um just before we get out of here, um a few a few words from me. It is eleven twenty seven. PM UK time, so I mean, we're actually right on schedule, um, <laughs> roughly, just, just just, as always with the M101 Fort f- train. Also, Zoe says in Tip minutes, I did it in five minutes. <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you say, darling. <laughs> whatever um, I was sleep at night. <laughs> um, I also, like, I, I, I want to get some of the comments in, people who tweeted me saying what some of their favourite mo- M101 moments are over the last 200 shows. James Calantis, who's a fantastic Patreon backer, um, said just want to congratulate um, Dre, King and O'Connell and all other guests, host and everyone involved in M101 for the big double century, been listening since the start and back in around the corner days. Wow, that is a throwback. <laughs> around the corner, wow. Congrats and you guys, deserve it. I said some of your favourite moments. Dre's mental breakdown as he hears the Auto sports Top 50. Yeah,
1: that's fair. <laughs> Can't wait um, for it
0: again this year. <laughs> um... <laughs> But a very recent one from uh, when I literally said, fuck me sideways, and then RJ goes, happy Pride Month, now everyone. Now it's LGBT <laughs> <Rat> <laughs> Month,
3: everybody. We're angry.
0: Yes, indeed. Chris Cook screwing Dre in the first of m- the Motorsport Draft. We don't talk anymore. Um... <laughs> But the best moment is the shag-marry-kill segment between Senna Verstappen and David Croft from episode 63. I remember the exact number. A couple of you guys mentioned this one as well. I quote, I'll shag Senna because of his passion, Dre 2016.
1: <laughs>
0: Never forget, everybody. In in the comments, guys, below, list off some of your favorite moments. i see if I can get some of them in before we go off the air. Um, but uh, saying uh, I've I got um, Vagilis as well saying here well this time I'm not going with any funny moments but you with something that stuck with me started listening in the middle of 2016 and you were the only ones who actually tried to give Rossberg some credit that spoke to me okay I lied, King's Wiccan's joke during the awards was oh, epic oh no oh <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: dear I'm um, saying here <laughs> okay uh, Dre doing press ups for F1 2013 Career Mode. Oh God, that was that was a that was about. I had time. a question sorry, that
3: my uh, my partner proposed to me. I'll who's in the chat. Um, what do you yes. envision happening over in good health and motivation willing? What do you think will happen? What we'll see in the next hundred episodes of Motorsport 101? It's
0: about two years. But. <sighs> that- that is a tremendous question. Um, I there is another two years. I I don't know. I would love to be able to maybe get more coverage from motorsport events themselves. I mean, we've got King going out to the Formula E season finale in New York very soon with our name badge on it. It's great. <laughs> um, you know, which is awesome. I I would love to get more live content. I'd like to make videos again full time, but juggling a shift based job working in a bookies, it's very very hard. Bloody, I know it because you know it's 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 difficult on that one because i want to make more videos i love like I actually i had a little bit of a mini resurgence earlier this year and you guys seem to really really like it when i'm very very glad you guys have like you guys seem to really like it when i just talk off the cuff about this sport um in general and most other sports i end up covering i mean when i can get 500 videos on a world Superbikes video um that is um incredible to say the least um um, I, I I don't know. I don't know what else we can do. Um, but we'll come up with ideas, and we'll all, we'll always listen to things. And I just want to keep going more than anything else because this show is an endless source of enjoyment for me. Hearing you guys reel off your favourite moments, and you know, guys that listen to us every single week, it's it's an incredible privilege, and I just want to do more, more and more and more and and and, and anything else and. You know, I, I <laughs> you, these things are the, are the stuff you hold on to, and it's and that and that's fantastic more than anything else. So I don't know what the next hundred episodes will bring, God willing. But uh, that's part of the fun, not knowing what's going on, what's, what's going to happen in the future. As far as I'm concerned, anyway. So let's just see where this bad boy goes because it's been five years. And, and whatnot. Um couple other comments I wanted to get through here real quick on the Twitter account um, Conrad was a very glowing tribute thank you for that Conrad I did read that that's very very kind of you sir um, already seen arguments with Zoe in the chat um, well, already as well seeing that as well on, on Twitter as well um, you know Vic Botas 10 out of 10
3: that was a good moment
0: that was a good one yeah bought us ten out of ten. That was a good one. That's a good shout there, Andrew. Very good <sighs> shout. Uh being a resident cheerleader on Day of Classics was my highlight of the year. Um so Dre said check, said check the Discord for mine. Um it's it's the uh, Jenna Fryer reaction and, from this May. May. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Zoe's reaction when Willpower won the five hundred was legendary as well. Like I think I think she actually broke that day. Um, um, it's been. There's been so many memories I can even list off. It's been. The Fight Club segment you know, yeah. after yeah, yeah. Las
3: Vegas, where we reference the Malice in the Palace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Still one of our favorite moments. Like I remember Matt was on the show, bless him. Uh, he, he pissed himself going through that segment. It was hilarious. Um. If you guys have got any other favourite moments on the show, you want to reel off, now's a good time, you know. Um, anything that sticks out in you guys' minds over the last god four years and two hundred episodes. Um, Speaking now, forever hold your peace again. <laughs> uh, I got
3: into my feelings. A couple of times. There was the bad time I got in my feelings after that whole unpleasantness happened with one Santucci and Formula Two at Silverstone. Mm. There was another time I got in my feelings after Danny Watson came out. That was kind of my public coming out on the podcast. And I think that meant mm. a lot to a lot of people, which was which, you know, astonishing. Absolutely. And, you know, uh that, that does mean a lot to that I have such an impact on a lot yeah, of people. I
0: mean, it's this it's the beauty of keeping it 101 it, it was like that was that still is one of my favorite drapery videos I ever made was talking about Danny Watts and and I've always tried to make M101 a safer platform as possible for anyone who listens. everybody is welcome here you know from silly things like buying multicolored trainers in the background you can see the box right there to just you know being proud of the fact we have a show that doesn't necessarily stick to sports that's unafraid to tackle areas that a lot of people will choose to ignore and that's one of the things that makes me incredibly proud to have this platform in the first place and um, you know it, it goes so much further than motorsports sometimes because it has so much crossover into everyday life and that's Part of the beauty of it, if we can be a safe ninety minutes of listening every week for someone, then you know my mission is my, my mission as a podcast host and all round, you know motorsport shit posters. I don't, I don't like calling myself a journalist. I never really consider myself that because I'm like I'm not. Yeah, we don't act take our we don't
3: take ourselves too seriously here. We know we know the t- we know never the will. time to keep it serious, but we're not going to take ourselves too seriously on the whole.
0: Yeah, the shoot your shot episode from Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> episode 75, oh dear. And yeah, Adam Johnson's restraining order on Laura Trot. Um, yes, I am a Pats fan as well, Cotton. Yes, the jersey's in the back. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Exposing Joe Saywood and making me learn not to value his work. The auction draft. Yeah, the Centennial episode, episode 100. Um, said so some of my f- favourite moments were the ones I had to cut out, said Lewis. See last year's <laughs> bloopers for information. Um, you know, again, we we could go on for another hour about this. Um, but just from words from me, more to to wrap it up, I think more than anything else, because we've we've been going for nearly three hours, bless us. But it's episode two hundred. We got got halfway to the limit, quite (laughs) frankly. Halfway halfway there, (laughs) (laughs) like guys, let's let's watch an old Indy five (laughs) hundred. (laughs) <laughs> we got time oh
3: man i actually suggested um, that we could do like an f1 race if we had the logistics Sadly, it couldn't happen and i also whipped out in the one chip mm. challenge
0: it's fine yeah it's fine but no like as uh, for those guys who were newer to the show who didn't know this this again i've said it before this whole show started out as a university project for my final year of my degree in broadcast journalism. I've, I've always wanted to do a podcast. This was the end product. I, I had my good friend, and I know she's out there listening. She's a very, very dear friend. Stephanie Hunter, who, in case you didn't know, runs Silver Code, who runs the website. It's a beautiful site. I'm very like She said it herself. It's one of the sites she's most proud of having, and um, she's become a very good friend. If you've actually scrolled deep enough on my Instagram, you'll actually find the fact, because she's from New Zealand originally, but she was in the UK and I finally got to meet her um, um, earlier this year. And she's one of the nicest people you could ever wish to meet. Um, so special shout out to her. But this was a university project gone very badly wrong. This was only ever meant to be 10 episodes. And yet here we are 200 shows later. And it's it's been an unbelievable ride. We've seen... Um, we've seen so much change in motorsport in life in the last five years. And, you know, it, we've all grown up a little bit as well in that time as well. We've all gotten a little bit better at this. We've all gotten a little bit older a little bit wiser, hey. a little bit angrier as well, you know? <laughs> and, um, we've all fanned ourselves a little bit more, I think through the medium of this show. Um, and I couldn't be prouder of what we've accomplished so far over a hundred thousand plays from, from guys over, a hundred different countries, the the comments that we get, the, the fans that we have, the fans that I don't even call them fans because I don't have fans. We have friends, quite frankly, and they are an incredible set of people and I am I personally am honoured to, to be the lead presenter of this more than anything else, but there is so much more behind the scenes that you guys don't even get to see, that have influences on the show, that's made us get to this point and, you know, from... Johnson who was a who was the reason this project kicked off off the ground in the first place because I, I mentioned it before on the website earlier this year. I had a breakdown towards the end of my time as, as Harrison 101 on YouTube. It was too much I couldn't stand the fact that I was grinding away at numbers and trying to chase something that wasn't there trying to be an F1 YouTuber and this was my salvation and if it wasn't for me and Johnson the day after my brother's 21st like 18th birthday um you know back then I would never have you know rebooted this podcast and made it the the full-time venture we've now made it um alongside anything else so Johnson, I owe him everything for, for for even getting to this point, for having the motivation, alongside obviously Ryan, to Zoe Hamilton, who's been a massive and incredible super sub over the last couple of years and um her her presence is very much missed on this show, um by by any stretch of the imagination. Um to to Lewis, um who had the balls to take bike live off downforce and bring it on with us. And as well as as editing a ton of our shows in the past as well, I think over a hundred of them by the time it was all said and done. And he's now living the dream out there in Barcelona as a MotoGP. So some of the tweets you'll see during MotoGP races are literally him. And he's, he's become a friend for life and he's, um, living the dream And I couldn't be prouder of him. So Lewis, I know you're listening. Thank you so much, man for everything. To get to this point. Um, special thanks as well to everyone that's backed us financially on Patreon. Um, the fact that you guys can even uh, go out of your way to think, hey, you guys are worthy of money. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to, to actually back us. Oh, God. Um, it's, emotional
3: it's all right. You've got as much room as you need, big um,
0: man. No nah. I'm gonna get through this one way or another because that's what you guys want me to see. But um, the guys, you think you guys, you guys are, you know, think you think we're worth financially backing. The fact this podcast is self-sufficient, thanks to you guys, is is the greatest honor you could possibly have on us. We don't have to worry about dipping our own hands in our pockets, even though we have on occasion to even get it to this point. And I'd love to see how far we can take it down the road. But your faith and constant belief in us. has been legendary and couldn't ask for a better set of friends and people and community in general. But, um... Thanks to all the special guests we've had over the years as well, because we've had a ton of those. (laughs) Um, you know, Cam, um, Hazel, Zoe, um... Elizabeth, Elizabeth, and, and Com- um, Katie yes. Fairman, who's he's doing a brilliant job out there, representing Formula Re. She's fantastic. She's got her own show now as well on Small Talk. Go listen. Um, sh- shout out to guys like Scott Woodworth back in the past, who's been part of our shows before. Um, you know, again, we're very, very lucky that people want to come on our show and even just shoot the shit about motorsport in the environment that we have. But um, special thanks to... My two colleagues and two of the best friends I could ever have, and that's Ryan and, and, and RJ. RJ hopped on the wagon late, um, but I've known King for nearly eight years now. <laughs> and it was 2011, we followed each other on Twitter, and I, 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 I think it's fair to say that I, I don't think we'd ever get to this position. He had his own show with Athlete VG back in the day, and you know stuck around with me, and I, there would be no M101 without King, without any, without any shadow of a doubt. Um, and RJ has fit this a glove, like and uh, it was hard when we when we lost Johnson because you know he wanted to go out there and find himself as a person, and I will never hold that against him in a million million years. But RJ has been. Wonderful as a, as a, as, a as, as a host, and we couldn't do it without him either. And he had so much personality, life and character. He got it from day one, and he makes the show better than it ever could be. Um, More than anything else, but... <sighs> Lastly, thank you, all of you, <laughs> for... I'm going to get through this thank you all so much for inviting us into your homes and giving us a chance and giving us your time it's been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life and (sighs) without you there is no us so thank you for giving us all the chance and I couldn't be prouder of what we got and I hope it continues to grow in the future. I really do. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much. It's it's been an amazing ride, and... Here's to the next hundred, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, so because <laughs> we are sure as hell not stopping now. Um, we'll be back <laughs> next God. week. Um, because we've got IndyCar in Toronto, and I think, you know, I think is back at the Saxon Ring. Yes, as well. we do. do um, World Superbikes
3: at Donington, DTM and W Series at the yeah, Norris yeah, Ring, yeah. Ascar at Daytona,
2: but, uh, all that good stuff. But I think I think it is just DTM at the Norris Ring with the W Series because uh, IndyCar is in two weeks' time, as well as New York City E-Prix and the British Grand Prix.
0: And I think that just about does it for episode <laughs> 200 of motorsport 101 places you can find us one more time youtube.com i mean come on if you're watching this you already know what the deal is youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 subscribe for all our latest stuff ring the bell to get notifications all that good stuff facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 um twitter again handles are all below um again motorsport one underscore 101 for the actual show twitter itself um, again, if you, our website M101 uh, Motorsport101.com um, Again, if you want to check all our written stuff as well um, And everything we have Is on that page as well um, And of course If you really, really like us You can back us financially um, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101 $5 um, gets you early access To all of our shows $10 gets you into the supporters club Of our Discord server um, and you can listen to these shows live as they go out Um and again um, in special special thanks to my colleagues to everyone that's still tuning in it's nearly midnight back here in the UK and you guys are still here um, you guys are barnacle heads but I do love every single one of you um, thank you all so so much for the last 200 shows and here's to the next 200 I've been Andre Harrison on behalf of RJ O'Connell, Ryan King, Adam Johnson, Zoe Hamilton, Christopher the Harday, Cam Buckley and all our other co-hosts and all our other friends and yours. Thank you for letting us in for 200 shows. Here's to the next 100. Sayonara.
3: Later, y'all.
1: Bye!